From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And away we go, seven minutes past the hour. Thanks for waking up early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's number one talk station, all because of you, and we know it. And we come bearing breaking news. If you're just waking up, uh, some are calling it like the uh, the tech plates of the of the earth and all kinds of things. And you can believe me when I tell you the liberals are going absolutely berserk right now. And who knows who leaked? I'll just get into it. Who knows who leaked the Sam Alito documents? Who knows if they are actually accurate? You can create things very easily and make them look official. Although I will say that Alan Dershowitz says it's a 2% chance that the Alito majority draft is fraudulent. So he's giving it 98% authentic. And the right to the current federal abortion laws in America may come down to New Jersey's own Samuel Alito, who was born in Trenton, New Jersey, On April 1st, 1950, Alito was nominated by President George W. Bush. He took his seat on the United States Supreme Court on January 31st, 2006. The right to abortion, which has been in place since 1973 in the landmark Roe v. Wade ruling, may be struck down with language stating that it was never a constitutional right to begin with. It will allow states to make their own laws regarding abortion. And I will say this, regardless of your position on abortion, it's not in the Constitution. So you can you can get red faced and, you know, jump up and down and and scream and go crazy. But it's not in the Constitution. It was always a reach. It was an accommodation that a liberal court did meaning that it's no difference except for the fact that what if this is true, what will be happening now will return it to states' rights. There's nothing radical about this. I know that politics being what it is, the protests have already begun. But this will allow states, if it it is true... And remember, even if it is true, it's only a draft. Obamacare was going to be overturned. And then Jackass John Roberts changed his vote. So what they do early doesn't mean what they will do late. And the final vote is all that counts. Politico, give them the collar. They exclusively reported last night that it has obtained a draft majority opinion reportedly written by Alito Back in February, confirming that there are five Supreme Court votes to overturn Roe v. Wade. So you don't even have to guess. Other than Roberts, and I don't consider him. I'm telling you right now, and I've been saying it for the longest time. This is not a 6-3 conservative court. 
This is barely a 5-4 conservative court. And I really believe that it's in the neighborhood of 4-4 to with Brett Kavanaugh or even four Democrats counting Roberts because I just think he's terrible and getting worse. And maybe, I mean, if you think about it, you've got Thomas Alito who are amazing, rock solid. Gorsuch is in the next tier, typically but not always reliable. Then you've got Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, and I don't trust either of them. If this stands, I want to repeat, they are because the lies are already being told. They're not making abortion illegal. And SCOTUS is not wading into the issue of when human life is conceived, which I believe is at conception. SCOTUS would be making the issue of abortion a state's rights issue. It's not complicated. It has not been confirmed whether the alleged Alito draft is genuine. I mentioned that Attorney Alan Dershowitz said last night that there's only a 2% chance that the alleged Alito draft is fraudulent. According to Politico, Alito writes, in his majority opinion, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. We hold that Roe and Casey, Casey, if you don't remember, and we covered it here quite a bit, it was the 1992 ruling. It was in our first year as a broadcaster. It's the 92 ruling in Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So he's saying that we hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives, quote, end quote, allegedly writes Alito. It should be noted that it is unprecedented for such a leak to occur from the Supreme Court. It's, it's never happened in modern history. I'll get into that in just a moment. At this time, no one has independently confirmed the veracity of this leak. Now, my own suspicion is that a liberal sympathizer with knowledge and access to the draft leaked it in order for a massive and controversial national campaign to ensue. The Democrats have nothing. They have January 6th and that whole bunch of bull. And then they have this now. And if the Supreme Court says nothing, they're going to have this all the way until June or July. In the Politico reporting, allegedly SCOTUS Chief Justice John Roberts is not one of the five votes to overturn Roe v. Wade. Yeah, no kidding. Yet he appears to be poised to uphold the Mississippi case that is at the heart of this moment of truth. You can expect to see very vocal, organized protests all over the country. It most likely is the reason that the Alito draft was leaked. Again, at best, this is only a draft and nothing is final until SCOTUS releases its formal decision. Justices can change their vote right up until the end. For example, I mentioned it a moment ago, Roberts initially voted during earlier deliberations to overturn Obamacare. 
At a very late stage, Roberts went the other way, joined the four Democrats and actually crafted legislation totally. He he was totally acting unconstitutionally, but he crafted a decision that called the individual mandate a tax, even though the Obama solicitor general strenuously argued before the Supreme Court that it was not a tax. I'll continue this right after the break. 15 minutes past the hour. I am early in the morning. This is WPG Talk Radio 95.5. I'm intent on bringing you the most comprehensive, but also with clarity, reporting on this topic. You're going to see the nuts are going to be going all over the place with this. We will not. This is WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's number one talk station, all because of you. Here's our Fox News commentary. Let me guess. Jimmy Fallon? From the world's playground, this is Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. It is 20 minutes past the hour. If you're just joining the program, we're sharing with you our thoughts on this major leak. It's really an unprecedented leak. At the United States Supreme Court, unless it is um, uh, a total scam job, and then Politico is going to look very, very silly. But most serious people are taking this as though it is legitimate and that a February majority opinion written by Associate Justice Sam Alito, uh, they believe that it is legit. But I, I, I want to caution you because the media – has they have an agenda we don't have any agenda here we just like to deliver it like it is in a world that's presently living it like it isn't and i don't know why that's refreshing and rare but these other actors they just have their own agenda their own political agenda so you know that the democrats and you'll see it the democrats will start to raise money off of this issue that'll be your next telltale how political this all is. But remember, even if it's true that this draft is legit and that it was leaked, it's a majority opinion in February. They don't take the final vote until much later, and the decision could be changed right up until it's announced in June or early July. So let me go back. Um, to where we were i was actually working on this piece this piece exists in writing as well and i was actually adding a little bit more to it that i was thinking about during the break let's see i want to go back to um repeat the the previous thought that i was sharing that justices can change their vote until the end. For example, Roberts initially voted during early deliberations to overturn Obamacare. They take a vote. They take a straw vote. And that many times is exactly as it goes. But they change their votes at times. And this Roberts is not to be trusted. At a late stage in Obamacare, he went from siding with a majority that would have overturned the individual mandate. And of course, if you overturn the individual mandate, 
then Obamacare would collapse under its own fraudulent weight. So what did Roberts do? He joined the Democrats. He crafted legislation, which not they're not allowed to do. They're not legislators. They're to interpret the Constitution. He made something a tax, even though the Solicitor General, General of the United States arguing for Obama strenuously argued before the Supreme Court that it's not a tax. And that's exactly what Roberts did. And then Obama declared victory. If the ruling as drafted actually becomes official, there will be many implications to deal with as 50 years of federal constitutional protection would cease to exist, leaving it to each state to decide how to allow or even curtail abortion within their state boundaries. The liberal media regularly contends that it's a 6-3 conservative Supreme Court. This is patently false. Roberts consistently votes with the liberal members, and even Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett have not been reliably conservative. Roberts consistently votes with the liberal members, and even Kavanaugh and Coney do so. In reality, this may not even be a 5-4 to four conservative Supreme Court majority. No Supreme Court draft in modern American history has ever been leaked while a case was still being decided until now. Roe v. Wade was almost overturned 25 years ago. This is something you rarely hear talked about. We do talk about it here. This was during the William Rehnquist court. They had five votes to overturn Roe v. Wade until Associate Justice Anthony Kennedy changed his mind. That can still happen again now. So we'll um, put that on hold. Kirk Conover is going to join us in about 35 minutes. That's going to be the first item that we will talk about. And we'll see what the Assemblyman has to say about that. Uh, Chuck Malamud is going to join us in the 8 o'clock hour. Dr. Mark Newkirk in the first half of the 9 o'clock hour. And then I have a bunch of Atlantic City stuff that I want to talk to you about, including, ladies and gentlemen, we did it. I'll give you a quick little preview. We did it. We smoked them out. Marty Small is finally going to comment. And please, I'm sure he's going to take more public shots at me. But is it reasonable to say if I didn't do what I did on Friday aggressively and didn't do what I did yesterday, probably even more aggressively, that he would not be speaking today? Or is it once again just a, 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 an immaculate uh, conception? It's, it's, an, it's an amazing coincidence. So if you believe that Marty Small was going to be speaking today all along and that what we did yesterday and what we did on Friday – with the help of Battalion Chief Foley, with the Union Chief John Varallo. All we did was tell the truth. And now if you go to WPGTalkRadio.com or WPG Talk Radio, the app, you can see in advance of today's press conference because insiders in City Hall have told us what will be happening. But make no mistake about it. 
It is why newspapers are dying and talk radio and the digital, the new talk media, is thriving the way that it is. Because we can hold to account. And we did. How much longer could you leave the Atlantic City professional firefighters without enough manpower and without the proper apparatus? How embarrassing is it that the city of Atlantic City, a multi-billion dollar casino town, is taking crumbs from Ventnor and Margate, loaning apparatus to keep Atlantic City going? Very collegial on their part, very kind but very embarrassing. So this is finally, finally going to be addressed. And I know you're going to have to endure this hot dog, small mayor. They've been working on this for so long. Oh, so what, anybody said I wasn't working on this. Sound familiar? You need like a Captain Crunch decoder ring to even understand him. But he'll be telling you how this was always happening and it had, had nothing to do with some irrelevant Irrelevant person, get ready. I can write the script. He's listening now. We're inside his head. We're occupying space rent-free. The Dersh. Ladies and gentlemen, the Dersh. When the Dersh speaks, I know I said I was going to hold this until Kirk, but when the Dersh speaks, I listen. Because the Dersh has 57 years of experience with the Supreme Court. He's been a clerk, a Harvard Law professor. He said, in all of the years I've been following the Supreme Court, there's never been a leak like this. Then he goes further. But this was not just an inadvertent leak. I think this was an act of civil disobedience engaged in by a determined law clerk. How about him? He's going right to a clerk who thought it was so serious that a woman's right to abortion will be taken away that they were willing to risk their bar, their career, their heritage on this because this is going to be investigated. The leaker potentially tying, trying rather, to be a hero of the left is sure to be investigated amid an unprecedented set of circumstances, said the Dersh. Quote, the FBI is going to be called in. There's going to be an attempt to break the journalist privilege. Uh, well, you could try that, but they don't have to, they don't have to say who gave it to them. I don't, I don't like that he said that. How do you break the journalist privilege? You've got it. That, that's not, it's unassailable. There's going to be an attempt to call Politico and demand of them that they reveal the source. Politico won't do it, but the case may go all the way to the Supreme Court on that issue as well. See, that's how Dershowitz is brilliant. He's thinking like 10 steps ahead of most people. I don't think it's going to go to the Supreme Court to decide, and I don't think anybody should. Politico, the two reporters, they should not have to say who gave them 
the information. That's the way the law works in terms of the media shield. I mean, you can't commit a crime to go get the information. But if the information comes to you, you can use it. And you don't ever have to say who gave it to you. The Dersh speaking out. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Don't go away. It's early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. It is 31 minutes past the hour. I'm Harry Hurley with three stories that you can follow on our WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. Our coverage has brought out Atlantic City Mayor Small. He will finally speak about the staffing and equipment shortage with the Atlantic City Fire Department later today. Also, Atlantic City Mayor Small gives fish heads until today to get out. Will they get out? And New Jersey's Sam Alito holds the key to Roe v. Wade. That and more on your WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. Details. From the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. You'll encounter some patchy fog and murky clouds around early this morning, but the sky should brighten up a bit by this afternoon. High temperature today limited to around 60, beach towns especially cool, stuck in the 50s. Scattered rain showers tonight, maybe even an isolated thunderstorm, low 52. Lingering rain tomorrow morning, then we'll catch peaks of sun in the afternoon. Tomorrow's high, 68. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. You know, every three seconds, WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's talk station. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Join me this afternoon at three. Now back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you, Sean Hannity. 36 minutes past the hour. I am Hurley in the morning. Drive home with Sean Hannity each day, three to six. Wake up early in the morning. It's good for you. And let's take this out of our Hurley in the morning just disgusting files because this is exactly how the most unworthy people behave and how they carry themselves in this new book this will not pass writers jonathan martin and alexander burns both new york times reporters claim that vice president kamala harris asks west wing staffers to stand up when she enters the room. Could this could this freak become any more unlikable? Is it possible to become even more unlikable? Host Chuck Todd, that's an NBC um, liberal dem, poses as a media person, said, here's one anecdote you have. Harris Worried that Biden's staff looks down on her, she fixated on real and perceived snubs in the ways the West Wing found tedious. When Harris walked into a room, the White House staff did not stand up the way they did for Biden. The vice president took it as a sign of disrespect. Quote, still Todd, Chuck Todd, what was astonishing here is apparently There was a meeting about this. The writer Martin says, yes, quote, the chief of staff to Kamala Harris 
telephoned the West Wing and told a senior advisor in the West Wing to Biden, the vice president has noticed this and she would like folks to stand, staff members to stand whenever she enters the room. He went on to say, quote, this pulls back, I think, the curtain on what this White House is really like. The tensions are deep and they are real between the vice president's office and the West Wing. Martin said part of the reason for the tension might be the low approval ratings that both Biden and Harris have received in recent polls. Quote, what is hovering over all of this is 2024. Is Biden going to run again? And if not, and it's not, and if not, is it going to be VP Harris? This is the mood music hanging over the entire Democratic Party right now as are Biden's poor numbers. <laughs> oh, God, it's just nauseating. Stand up. If you have to ask somebody to stand up when you walk into the room, what have you really accomplished? If there was any respect there, it would happen on its own, organically. Just try to force it. The, the one that couldn't get 1% of Democrat voters. Just try to force, force that kind of stuff. It's, it's really good for your fantastic reputation. Former President Donald Trump's endorsement of J.D. Vance, it's, it's meant everything. I can promise you J.D. Vance had no shot in this if Trump did not endorse him. And if Trump had endorsed Matt Dolan, Matt Dolan would be leading right now. And if President Trump uh, endorsed Mike Gibbons, no, 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 no. I take that back. Gibbons might not have been able to go over the top. I meant Josh Mandel. Josh Mandel, if he had Trump's endorsement, he would go over the top. So here's where it is right now. The Ohio GOP Senate primary on the eve of the final vote and the polling outfit that's been the most accurate as of late, Trafalgar. The Trafalgar group says that J.D. Vance has 26.2% support among likely GOP primary voters. And it's a hotly contested primary. And, you know, the media wants anybody that Trump endorses, the media goes against them hard, wants them to lose so that they can then they can write their stories about Trump losing his luster, losing his popularity, losing his control of the Democratic part of the Republican Party, so on and so forth. But it's Vance, 26.2, Dolan, 22 percent, Mandel, 20.8 percent. Gibbons, 13.1. Jane Timpkin, 5.7. Mark Pukita, 1.9%. And Neil Patel, 1.7%. This has a margin of error. Or I, I, let, me, let me see if it has a margin of error. Yes, 2.99% margin of error. But what I meant to say actually was that 8.6% are still undecided. So really... Any one of the three 
Vance, Dolan, or Mandel all could be your winner. I don't have I, – I, my, my instinct tells me that Trump's pick will win. I think J.D. Vance will win. I, I, wouldn't, um, I wouldn't bet on it, but I, I, I'm not a betting man. But I am pretty comfortable that he's going to win. I I'd probably would even say that I'm very confident that he's going to win. Rob Portman is retiring, and the winner becomes the heavy favorite to be the next senator. So this is a very big deal. The Trafalgar Group polled 1,081 likely Ohio GOP voters between April 29 and May 1st, so it's very current. And again, it has a plus or minus margin of error of 2.99%, and 8.6% are still undecided. And you've got three candidates right now that are basically dividing up 70% of the vote. J.D. Vance, most likely. You know you can't prove what you can't prove, but if Trump not, uh, endorsed Dolan or Mandel, you flip it. They would be in the lead. I... I, I very, very confident of that. And I don't think J.D. Vance would have been able to overcome another GOP Trump-endorsed candidate. He was very fortunate to get that endorsement, and it is going to be the difference. 44 minutes past the hour. We will be back in just a few. This is... Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. The first button on your car radio for South Jersey's talk station. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Just about 10 minutes before the top of the hour, we were talking about how the media is trying to make Trump a loser every chance they get whenever he scores a victory It's a whisper. It's a whimper. It's a no comment at all. I mean, for example, in Nevada, Trump, President Trump has endorsed enthusiastically Adam Laxalt. He's a former Nevada attorney general. He has a 37 point advantage over his closest Republican primary competitor. You won't hear anything about that. The other thing you won't hear about is Trump's record on these endorsements. From House seats to governorships, Senate races, wherever he has stepped in. But what they do is anytime his endorsed candidate doesn't win, they build a tabernacle around it and they make it the end of the world. Like they're trying to do, for example, in Arizona. Now, we have interviewed uh, Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich. If you've ever seen his name spelled, it looks like it's a typo because there's no vowel. It's like, well, there's an O, there's I, but but it's B-R-N-O-V-I-C-H, but it is pronounced Brnovich. Some people say Brnovich and all kinds of different things. He once had a double-digit lead in the race for the GOP nomination. Now he has fallen into second place in the polling. Jim 
either Lehman or Lamon, as in Don Lamon. Not it's Lehman, a self-funded solar power executive. He has gained on Brnovich in four public and private polls. Real Clear Politics average, which is nothing more. They're not supernatural or anything. They just take all the polls that are out there and they cum them. Brnovich's lead is down to five points in one poll. Uh, Lamont has a one-point lead in the Trafalgar poll that was taken in the last week of April. An internal poll for Lamont gives him a three-point lead over Brnovich. That probably uh, doesn't bode great for Lamont because those internal polls, I don't trust them. And it's only three points. Trump has been putting his mouth where Lamont's money is. On Saturday night, the former president phoned into an election integrity event held by Blake Masters, who is currently running third in the polls. While not officially endorsing Masters, Trump noted to the crowd, quote, I heard Blake was the person that showed up after Masters challenged Brnovich to a debate on election integrity issues, and I want to thank Blake. Masters had challenged Brnovich to debate him on the election integrity issues, though Brnovich declined to participate in the event. Lamont was not invited. A week earlier, Trump criticized Brnovich for not taking action on his voter fraud claims in his role as state attorney general. So interesting. Trump's not endorsing, but he is. um, He's weighing in. So Brnovich, who led by double digits, is now the recipient of everyone ganging up on him. And it looks like this self-funded solar power executive Jim Lamon could pull it off. I will tell you, I like Brnovich. Uh, he's, he's a great interview. We've interviewed him about three times. Answers every question you ask. Solid, seems very solid to me. So we'll see what happens there. Nevada is goofy. Uh, Delaware can get goofy too. Remember, Nevada and Delaware elected a number of years ago when Republicans should have won the majority of the Senate. They elected people who could not win in Nevada. The son of the legend, Jerry Tarkanian, uh, he could have won. I think her first name is Linda Vince McMahon's either wife or ex-wife. She could have won. And of course, in Delaware, it was it was over. But then they endorsed Christine O'Donnell, who you might recall declared that she was a witch. And that sort of takes you out of serious contention when you say you're a witch. I mean, if I came on here and all of a sudden announced that I am a warlock, I think there goes the credibility along with that. 
the day show. Oh my God, I remember the the, the cartoons and the the other memes and and oh, it was just terrible with the big witch's hat on they put on her. Oh my gosh! And I think she even had pictures that they were able to uncover with her wearing a whole witch's outfit. They couldn't have lost that seat if they tried. So what did they do? They tried. Bill Haggerty, United States Senator from Tennessee, another one that we've interviewed when sitting in for Brian Kilmeade and Guy Benson and Jimmy Fallon. He believes that the Biden administration is illegally spending money. This is another item we'll be talking about with Kirk in about nine minutes because this whole department of disinformation and this Jen Psaki, I, I got to tell you, boy, she is going out such a loser. She said this is going to be bipartisan. There'll be no politics. Come on. Just say something. Say something that's credible. It's not political. It's bipartisan. Yeah, the January 6th committee is really so fantastically bipartisan, right? With Liz Cheney and and Adam Kinzinger. Yeah, it's so bipartisan. But this is a joke. This is this is Russian-esque. Disinformation board? You get to decide and announce what is true and what is false? This, according to Haggerty, is a direct violation of the Anti-Deficiency Act. How you like that? It, beyond that, it's just flat out wrong. In America... You have free speech. People should be able to. That's why it was such an outrage when social media wouldn't let people tell the truth about Hunter Biden or Joe Biden. But, of course, they allowed any lies to be told about Trump, Russia collusion. Do you know you can still write? I'm not telling you to do it, but you could write today. I believe Trump colluded with Russia and did not legitimately win the 2016 presidential race and that post would stand forever you would not be banned punished in any way and that's just the way that would be warren buffett spoke about bitcoin i think you know i've not been a fan of these cryptocurrencies i don't like it i i can't say i don't understand them because i have made it my business to understand bitcoin and all of this Warren Buffett said, quote, I wouldn't buy all of the Bitcoin in the world for $25. Quote, if you owned all of the Bitcoin in the world and you offered it to me for $25, I wouldn't take it. Quote, because what would I do with it? I'll have to sell it back to you one way or another. It isn't going to do anything. Rental properties and farmland, though, he would purchase. Quote, the apartments are going to produce rent and the farms are going to produce food. And there's only one currency that's accepted, he said. If I've got all the Bitcoin, I'm back wherever the anonymous Bitcoin founder was. Who was that? Satoshi? 
the the Bitcoin founder, and it, and the, you understand the founder of Bitcoin is anonymous, which is kind of hilarious. Quote: Whether it goes up or down in the next four or five years or ten years, I don't know. But one thing I'm sure of is that it doesn't multiply. It doesn't produce anything. It's got a magic to it, and people have attached magic to a lot of things. He called Bitcoin a delusion. Quote, a rat poison squared. Kirk Conover standing by. He's next. It's early in the morning. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a town square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. It is six minutes past the hour. Thanks for waking up early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's number one talk station, all because of you, and we thank you for that. Kirk Conover joins us now. Kirk, the first item I want to discuss is this blockbuster. Uh, we we do what the others in the media don't do. We give credit to people for their work. Somehow, some way, Politico came up with, um, allegedly, it's not confirmed, but it it seems like it's, it's very real. Alan Dershowitz believes it's 98% credible. He thinks there's only a 2% chance that it's fraudulent. So it appears that Samuel Alito's majority opinion draft, something that's never happened in modern Supreme Court of the United States history, the draft is public. And I agree with Senator Mike Lee who said that this decision should be released. They can't wait until June or July and let the American people have a riot going on for the next number of months. Uh, if, if, an, if a law clerk or some other unscrupulous person with access to that draft, if this is indeed correct, that that is the February draft of Alito. Here's the other problem with this. What if after February, they don't feel that way anymore, that there's not five? We've seen this before. Roberts was with the um, majority in the early voting for repealing Obamacare, and then he flipped his script and joined the Democrats, crafted his uh, BS legislation calling the individual mandate a tax even though the Solicitor General of the United States argued that it specifically is not a tax because that was so unpopular with the American people. And and so then Obama declares victory, uh, which shows how they're so incompetent. They, they, They couldn't even win the case. The case was won on what they said it actually wasn't. So I don't trust any of them, and I especially don't trust John Roberts. But let's just say this is so, Kirk. What do you think of this? Well, in listening to all the reportage uh, on the issue, including yours this morning, I uh, have to conclude that this was basically some left leftist that had inside the halls of the Supreme Court. And it seemed like it was a plan. 
because within moments there was an instant group of protesters outside the Supreme Court protesting, you know, this, this, uh, you know, report that, uh, like you said, we don't know whether it's true, whether they still feel that way, but it was like instantaneous and they had pre-printed signs and all this stuff, you know, so it proves to me that the left will stoop to any measure to disrupt and discredit the basic institutions and foundations of our society. By the way, a very fair point, because how would you be so ready for this unless you plan to do it? So they plan to have their protesters on the Supreme Court steps right after this just organically really got leaked. Nothing like this has ever happened. Uh, Do you agree that they have to thoroughly investigate how this happened and whoever did it? needs to be brought to justice this is a this is a dangerous type of thing that actually can get people killed yeah i mean people are are wound up about this issue um and it's going to create so much turmoil like and i agree with uh senator lee that the supreme court's got to put this decision out there right away and 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 the disruption that uh, the left is going to make over this. Yeah, or say it's it's not real, that this is fraudulent. Roberts came out before when something was said that wasn't right. It's unusual, but I think this is completely unprecedented. The other thing that is a shame about it, it doesn't allow for a civil conversation. It only allows for a sensational one. And you know the Democrats, I commented earlier, they're going to be raising money starting today. Look in your feeds, on your social media and everywhere else. Democrats will be raising money off of this, that they want to take a woman's right to choose. Uh, Mike Suleiman's already done it. Uh, um, Mike, if you're listening, I like you, but I'm ashamed of your social media post. It's, it's so intellectually dishonest that it's beneath you. But that's what Democrats are going to do. They want to raise money. They know they're going to get their asses whooped at the local, the county, the state, and the national level. So they've got January 6th. Now they have this, Kirk. Uh, I don't like the way they're doing this. I, I do mean what I say. It can get people hurt because people get all crazy over this. Instead of it saying that it's not in the Constitution, which it's not, I think in Article 10, there's something that you could assign to this to make it a state's issue. But that's where they're going with this. Not, not that um, that they're not making a decision on anything relative to they're not making a decision on when life begins. They're, they're, they're not wading into that. They're, they're merely going to say that it's not a federally constitutional provision. And it never was since 1973. So, so something's been wrong for 50 years. Does that make it right? It's been wrong from day one, and it's still wrong 50 years later. What's not being heard, Kirk, is that it's being sent back to the states where representatives are elected, and they'll make these decisions in the 50 individual states. What's wrong with that? There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. That's called federalism. And that is the way our founding fathers uh, crafted uh, everything that's in the Constitution was designed to make the states 
individual laboratories of of individual freedom. And <clears throat> heaven forbid we put an issue uh, like abortion back to the states where the government's closer to the people, has more interaction with the people. Uh, you know, I mean, the representatives say in New Jersey they represent you know, legislative districts that have 200-some thousand uh, population where congresspersons, you know, represent districts that have 700,000. So, yeah, it, it uh, goes against the whole leftist philosophy of top-down uh, federal government running our lives to send any issue back to the states for, you know, the, the, the freedom laboratories that the states are supposed to be to determine it. And it's so obvious that the Democrats want to turn this into a wedge issue. They want to raise money off of it. They want to cause disruption. It's what they do. They want to get everybody all upset. They want to get everybody hating each other and all kinds of you know problems that don't need to be. This should have been left to its own devices. We have a Supreme Court. They should have been allowed to make their decision final in June or early July. And if they voted uphold the Mississippi law, which then in effect said that the 73 Roe v. Wade, which, which even the, the, the headliner on, on the case is against uh, abortion. That's kind of ironic and never gets talked about. Uh, Jane uh, Roe. So you have that. And they wouldn't let that, though. They got to leak it. Now, look, does anybody think this is Machiavellian and some conservative got this out there? I don't think so. Dershowitz is suspecting that it's a law clerk that wanted to get it out there because then they can use it politically. It's it's rotten as it gets, but I think it does force the Supreme Court, and they hate this, Kirk, as you know, but I think it forces them, if the decision is made, they got to come out with it because how, how unfair will this be? You have people in the media, they're reporting this as though it's fact right now. Yeah, and I, I've never liked the fact that the Supreme Court holds back these big decisions to, you know, the last week of June. Uh, why don't they announce them all, you know, all year long as as they make them? But uh, let's get back to the real bottom line is if this is true and this is what the opinion is going to be, it goes back to the states. And then your debate will be in the states and then you'll have a full airing of the issue. And, um, and if somebody, if a state passes a law that people disagree with, then they can challenge it and then see what happens. But sending it to the states is exactly what should always have been done here with this issue. It never should have been federalized like that. It was wrong. That's exactly what Alito says. It was wrong from the beginning. Kirk, if you have more on that, the time is yours when we come back. If not, obviously a whole lot more to talk about. It's my understanding, and I'm going to pose this question to Chuck. I only heard it once, but I heard someone say in the past uh, few hours that stocks are off to the worst start since 1939. I'm going to see if Chuck knows if that is true or if that is false. He is Kirk Conover. I am Hurley in the Morning. This is WPG Talk Radio. 95.5 South Jersey's number one talk station. You did that. And here is Sean Hannity. 
Your morning espresso starts right here. It's the Sean Hannity Morning Minute. R. Kelly has never lifted a finger, never said a word, really, to fight back against the record high illegal immigration that greatly impacted the state of Arizona. Uh, we see in Nevada that we have Adam Laxalt is surging and polls show that he's going to win that race. That'll be a pickup seat if Republicans can win that that seat. There's no way Beto Bozo. Now, the same guy that said that he's hell, yeah, we're going to take away your AK-47s. No, no, no. I'm from very pro Second Amendment. I'm very pro. Uh, yeah, we can't end Title 42. It's, it's all election year lying. Yeah, we used to call it election year conversions, but it's election year lying is what it is. The Sean Hannity Show from coast to coast later today. Cards issued by Celtic Bank member FDIC. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramps credit cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramps software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 3.3% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding RAMP could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join RAMP for free. Just go to RAMP.com slash join. RAMP.com slash join. R-A-M-P dot com slash. Hi, it's Mark Levin. Join me this evening at 6. Now back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thank you. 23 minutes past the hour with Kirk Conover. Tuesday mornings in the 7 o'clock hour. I can't even tell you. How many years, 20 years, maybe more, that we've done this every Tuesday? Chuck Malamut on deck, all about your financial matters. Dr. Mark Newkirk for the first half of the 9 o'clock hour. And then we have a bunch of Atlantic City updates to share with you, including the fact that we're going to demonstrate. We have already have because we've documented it. But we came out strong on Friday about the fire department came out even stronger yesterday about the fire department staffing shortages and equipment. And it is no coincidence that today, and we have all the details, even including what probably is going to be announced, and you're only as good as your sources, but inside City Hall sources in Atlantic City have told us how many firemen are going to be hired and what type of apparatus is going to be purchased, including even buying a used piece of apparatus an engine from Ventnor City, and that's predicated upon the arrival of Ventnor's brand new engine, and that could be sometime June or July. So help is on the way, which is about time. But we definitely um, demonstrated the, uh, the impact that two-way talk radio, when positively implemented, can do, along with the new talk media, the digital component as well, because we both spoke about it. And we wrote about it at length, and the articles that we wrote went completely viral and were read by many, many people. And so there's no doubt in my mind that today was not – there's no coincidence that we did what we did on Friday and yesterday and that today the mayor of Atlantic City is going to speak finally. And he's, he's done a terrible job 
on this issue. Terrible. But uh, they do say it's how you finish. And I think the resolution today, if it's what I've been told, uh, really strengthens the Atlantic City professional firefighters. We'll tell you more about that coming up in the second half of the nine o'clock hour. Kirk, anything more on the abortion issue that you want to talk about? No, I think it's uh, pretty well stated as far as it goes. Um, But I would like to add that, you know, um, if it goes back to the states, you'll have a thorough discussion of the issue. And just as the way my thinking has evolved, 70s, 80s, pretty much, I accepted the... uh, the arguments and said, okay, you know, abortion is a woman's right and this and that. And then as I learned more about it, um, I evolved to become totally pro-life and, and recognize that that is a human being from start to finish. And, <laughs> you know, it's God's uh, creation and, and God's gift of life. I'd rather be on that side, you know, because that seems to be a winning side to me if you're if you're right and you're on god's side you're in the right place but i want to point out back late 80s i guess we there was a half a dozen of us used to go on thursday nights to a local watering hole and discuss a lot of issues over and over and over again and one night we got into abortion and it was going round and round and then one of the group was uh a roofer and he said, hey, guys, what happens if you don't do anything? A baby comes out. So therefore, that's a baby. It's not a fetus. It's a baby. Everybody in the group just shut down, and that was the logic that carried the day. And that's sort of where I stand right now on it. And uh, so by, but by, my point is, by going back to the States, You'll have more of the intellectual and moral arguments about this issue. And if you strongly believe, you know, it's your right to have an abortion, then move to a state where they're going to allow it. That is the way our Constitution set up. Every state's supposed to be different and a laboratory of human freedom. And my argument for my entire broadcasting career, Kirk, is show me in the Constitution where this right exists. So it was just wrong. The, the exact way that Alito says it, if this even if this document turns out to be fraudulent, the point is still uh, with great merit that it's not in the Constitution. It's not there. So it, the decision right. since 1973 was just wrong. It just had enough votes to happen. And so now they're fixing it and they're going to say it needs to go to the states. As it should, just like a lot of things should go to the state. I mean, the states, um, you know, that that's the hallmark of what made this country great. We're the United States of America. We're not the United Federal Government of America. Uh, our founders were brilliant. They felt that, uh, you know, having a central government was necessary but should be very limited. And most of your, you know, governing decisions should be made at the state level because it's closer to the people. And, uh, you know, and that, that goes with economics too. I mean, if you look at the reason 
some some of the uh, states are more prosperous than others. <laughs> All you have to do is realize that states have you know taxing power and 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 can create economic conditions that are totally different. So the blue states, although most of the blue states, you know, like California, New York, New Jersey, have big bigger economies because they have bigger populations. They're not as prosperous. They're not as dynamic as states like Texas, South Carolina, Florida that have economic freedom, you know, written into every piece of legislation that, that may go through their state. The, the legislators think about what they're doing. And the idea is that every state's different. And if you want to, you know, live in a blue state because you believe in all these liberal progressive ideas have at it you know but you know leave the rest of us alone <laughs> kirk it's it's great uh insight and and i agree with all of it uh we'll come right back when we come back i'm going to ask the assemblyman to address the the issue of this joe biden disinformation board i i'm not surprised by anything anymore kirk but for this dishonest administration to say they are the ones that should put in a disinformation board and they are somehow going to be the arbiter of truth and what's not true and really become basically they want to turn the government into Facebook and previous Twitter. Hopefully Musk is going to be able to close this deal. I'm getting a little bit concerned because he's trying to get more financing and not spend as much of his money and uh, it's getting a little bit crazy and and obviously they've lost uh, valuation. So I'm really praying that this deal still goes through. But this seems to me, Kirk, that they want to have control. This is dystopian. This is George Orwellian. This is 1984. They want to control what is truth. And of course, no worries, because they say it will be not political at all. And then it will be bipartisan, which of course means the exact opposite is the truth. Your take on that when we come back. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. And this is Harry Hurley at 31 minutes past the hour with three stories that you can follow right now on our WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. And just out of my work, I I had a hard time just naming three. I want to name about 10. But our coverage is smoked out Marty Small on the Alaxi Fire Department. Check that out. The mayor in Atlantic City has also uh, done something unpopular, giving fish heads until, oh, today to get the hell out. And New Jersey's Sam Alito holds the key to Roe v. Wade. From the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zaro. Current ocean temperatures, 51 to 57 degrees. That is going to be an issue for Jersey Shore residents today. With the wind blowing off the chilly water, air temperatures also stuck in the 50s. Farther inland, we will see 60s. Clouds win the sky, especially this morning, but we're staying dry during the day. Scattered rain showers come into play tonight. Maybe an isolated thunderstorm, low 52. Rain ends midday tomorrow. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. If you are ready to get early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins this afternoon at 1. Now, Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Welcome back. It is Hurley in the Morning with Kirk Conover. Chuck Malamut on deck in exactly a half an hour. Dr. Newkirk after that. 
and then laser beam focus dateline atlantic city for the rest of today's program and we really want to give a push for the atlantic city professional firefighters who deserve what i hope i know hope is not a strategy but i hope and pray that additional manpower and that seems to be in the budget to the tune of maybe 22 or so new professional firefighters two new pieces of apparatus the purchase of a used piece of apparatus from ventner there's some good things about to happen in atlantic city and it's about time it's been a disgrace that this has been let to go on like this for years and years it's just not acceptable and let's um well, we're going to stay on top of it, and, and we'll share with you everything that we've learned, more than just that, uh, coming up just a few hours from now. Kirk Conover continues until the top of the hour. Kirk, we just talked about right before the break um, for you to address it on the other side, which is now. This disinformation board is it's an anti-American activity at the highest level. Yeah, it's it's scary. The whole concept is it's unbelievable that we are seeing it in our lifetime. Uh, the warnings of the great book uh, by George Orwell, 1984, and where they used the language to basically make the people into automatons and, and sheep controlled by the government and Big Brother. Uh, this is the kind of thing that, that's integral to that Uh who the heck is going to be totally non-biased in saying what is misinformation, disinformation? Um, I saw the uh, Mayorkas, Secretary Mayorkas, on snippets of him on from some of the shows, Sunday shows, talking about this. He said, "Oh, it's only uh, making sure that foreigners don't plant misinformation and disinformation in, in our country." Well, baloney. The woman that they're putting in charge of it came out and said it's all misinformation that they're going to look at, disinformation. So it gets back to what we talked about last week, free speech. Uh, it's, it's the key to our intellectual uh, diversity in, the, in this country. It's the key to our prosperity because you have to have free speech to discuss things that are going to benefit society, whether it be in business, you know, you have to have a free exchange of ideas. Uh, you can't be afraid to speak your mind. And uh, this is all very Stalin-esque. Yes. Like Agreed. And, and they actually make it look like it's really normal, not radical at all. And then they compare other countries who do it. But the countries that do it, they're not big fans of free speech. We, we are supposed to be very big fans of free speech, uh, speaking about things that are actually in the Constitution versus what we were talking about to lead the hour that's not in the Constitution. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean, free speech, that's not supposed to be tampered with in any way. I mean, I know that, that, that the old um, and overused expression, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater house. Because they use that a million times, all the Democrats, Chucky Schumer and the rest of the freaks. But free speech is under assault right now with this administration and with their allies in big tech and social media and all of that. Uh, This is just an extension. Biden got elected because of the pandemic. Biden got elected 
because the Democrat media protected him. Biden got elected because social media knocked people out, deplatformed them for telling the truth, their truth, uh, and that's what they want to do here. And and then what is the penalty if this band of of um, ministers of of propaganda and injustice? What's the penalty if if the tribunal of of injustice? decides that someone has said or written something that does not meet their standard of truth. What happens? Well, that's a slippery slope. You go from, you know, identifying it to, you know, coming up with some system to punish people. Is it going to be a misdemeanor? Is it going to be a fine? Uh, Are you going to be, you know, universally deplatformed from everywhere? I mean, it's it's not a good place to be. Kirk, do you think the American people, I think they are, but do you think they're on to this, that th- this administration is literally trying to rewrite our country? Yeah, I think we're, we've, I perceive that we have reached a, a turning point where the people are waking up to the cancel culture the, uh, the push by the, the so-called progressives who are actually regressives, taking us back to the Middle Ages as far as economic and, and social thinking. Uh, I think they're waking up. I mean, we may be winning the culture war right now. And, I, oh, I think uh, it's apparent. I think I think it started in Virginia and in New Jersey. I think that it's going to continue with parents that are disgusted about these things that are going on. I heard the president try to say they're burning math books and things. No, no, they're just getting rid of books like a math book that has racism in it. Asking, hey, if you're a racist, what is one plus one? I mean, this is, these are the questions. This is crazy. It is, and it's, uh, let's put it this way. You and I both know, and we've discussed it uh, on your program with your audience, that the whole goal of this so-called progressive movement and President Biden's just the, the hologram that they, they put out there to make it look like, you know, we really elected somebody. Uh, the whole goal is to make this into a, a, a socialist uh, country. And what do the socialists do? When they take over, the first thing that goes is freedom of speech, the free press, labor unions, and the free market. Now, I use free a lot, a lot of times there because they don't want you to be free. They, want you, they think that they know better for you and they're going to control everything about you and they must control it because you cannot be trusted to act on your own. Yeah, and I think it's beyond that. That, that is true. All of that is true. But it really is about control with them. They want to have control of everything, every aspect of your life. This is why I think they keep certain people down and needing them, uh, because if you didn't need them, if Trumponomics had been given a bit more time to take root, uh, you, I believe you would have seen the biggest shift in public opinion, possibly in the history of the republic, because every single demographic, every race, every creed, every color, every age, you name it every gender, everyone was experiencing the best employment circumstances ever. And and look at what it is now. 
look at gas prices. I, I, I read a piece that finally I found a piece that agreed with me that this 8.54% inflation is not true, that it is substantially more than that. And there was an economist that showed that it's closer to 15%. This is, this is what happened 18 months ago. This is the change that the American people bought in the 2020 election. When we come back, I have one last follow-up on the disinformation board, a Jen Psaki comment that I would like Kirk to talk about. Also, get Kirk's view on Kamala Harris demanding that all White House staffers stand when she walks into a room. What a sicko she is. And Biden lunched with Bill Clinton as the midterm election looms six months away. We'll get all that unpacked with Kirk Conover and yours truly early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Life is hectic here in South Jersey, but one thing you don't have to worry about is missing the information you need while you're running around doing a zillion things. That's why WPG Talk Radio 95.5 brings you everything you need to know in six minutes at the top of every hour. National headlines from Fox News Radio, South Jersey News, and your local AccuWeather forecast all in six minutes. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Download every Hurley in the Morning program as a podcast on the WPG Talk Radio app. Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Ten minutes before the top of the hour, Chuck Malamut on deck in about 16 minutes. Kirk Conover for the next 10. Dr. Newkirk for the first half of the 9 o'clock hour. Dateline Atlantic City. My uh, breaking news on what the Atlantic City mayor will be saying today relative to hiring more firemen and purchasing much-needed apparatus. It's it's a truly monumental day if this truly is going to happen and we'll be joined in the last 10 minutes of today's program by former battalion chief tom foley to get his take on all of it but make no mistake about it uh your input in terms of participating over the past four or so days brought about this press conference today it's not it's not a coincidence that this is happening kirk Jen Psaki said, uh, and I quote, that this will not be political, the the Ministry of Truth. (laughs) Uh, It will not be partisan. Uh, It will be nonpartisan. It will be apolitical, which means just the opposite, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, that's this is the way they play with words, you know, like uh, going back to the. the novel 1984. I mean, the key phrase there was freedom equals slavery. So they turn the words around and and think, you know, they're going to convince people. Like I said, I think the American people are wising up. I think we're winning the culture war. But chief propagandist, you know, she's got her own ethical considerations. Uh, she's made it clear she's going to MSNBC, and yet she's still the spokeswoman. Isn't it terrible and just just an awful example of this revolving door between Democrat White Houses and the Democrat media? How incestuous, how sick it is. Yeah, it used to be, you know, you left your post and then you decided where you were going to go. 
but she stand, she announced that she's going, and uh, she's just staying Can, right in do, there. Do you think it's possible that she's also been giving MSNBC incredible access to information that normal people wouldn't have? I'm not accusing her of anything I can't prove, but I just find this administration so dishonest that that wouldn't shock me if that's happening. Wouldn't shock me either, and it's um, the, the, the left wing will stoop to anything to get their way. And if they can use Jen Psaki uh, as propaganda minister for a little more time, and then, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all that she's feeding information to MSNBC. To, to, but, you know, MSNBC's ratings are way down. I mean, they used to average about 2 million a day at their peak. And now they're like 1.3 million viewers a day. Whereas Fox is like three million all the time, no matter who's on. So it's, it's uh, like I said, I think we're winning the culture war on this one. But it's a dangerous concept. Fortunately, I think they're going to figure out. The Republicans are going to figure out a way to defund this uh, disinformation board. Well, I was mentioning Senator Haggerty, who I know a little bit. I've interviewed him a few times when we filled in nationally for Fox News Radio. He has said it's illegal. I think he's right. You can't have this kind of thing. Yeah. It's totally illegal. No, All right, let me let me keep moving on because we have five, six minutes left. I want to go to the second issue of three that I mentioned right before the break. The vice president of the United States, and don't anybody please, no one get mad at me about this. I can't help it that two New York Times reporters have made this allegation, uh, and I'm just repeating it. So don't, don't uh, hold me accountable for this. It's two Democrat members of the media that say that Kamala Harris – demands that White House staffers stand when she walks in a room. Could she be any more unlikable if she tried, Kirk? No, she can't. And it's uh, her uh, demanding respect shows you she has no respect. Right. If you demand respect, you have no respect. You earn respect. Right. You earn it. Right. And now, if she was a stateswoman, uh, an honorable person, uh, someone of great intellect and respect, when she walked into a room as the person that's one beat, one heartbeat from the presidency, people would stand. The fact they weren't standing, they don't think very much of her. Well, she hasn't done anything to make people think anything of her. I mean, she was picked basically on her appearance, which is a, a major flaw in, in this whole, you know, Biden administration. Uh, it's what you look like is where where you're going to go. Uh, and she's made. No- Kirk, I know you and I have tortured this point, but if you if you you own a business, you and Nancy, if you if you put an ad out and said um, that only a white male or only a black female, if you put out something like that, you would be committing some serious type of offense in our country. How do they get away with it? Because they're political and they're Democrats and the the media is going to cover for them. But uh, you see the consequences of it. You now have a Supreme Court nominee who, you know, can't define what a man and a woman is. You have uh, a vice president who failed 
on her assignment at the border, did nothing. Every time she goes overseas, she makes a fool of herself. And it's um, it's perceived around the world, you know, between Biden and her, that this is a totally incompetent administration. Yeah, and let me, let me uh, go to that. And I want to get two more things in in the final two and a half minutes with Kirk Conover. President Biden had lunch Monday with former President Clinton. Obviously, Democrats are facing long odds to try to retain the House and the Senate. Uh, what are your thoughts of Bill Clinton coming in, riding into the rescue? Well, I think his time has passed. The, the uh, whole landscape has changed. When Bill Clinton was president and he was able to triangulate when the Republicans took over, he had reasonable Democrats in the House. He had uh, cabinet members that actually talk sense, and he himself. Was and, and remember, he signed welfare reform into law and a number of other things. Of course, when Hillary Hillary ran for president, they had to disavow the crime bill and you know the welfare reform. They had to disavow all of it, uh, but he was willing to do that, and that was Dick Morris's brilliant strategy. Uh, quick comment on that, and then I have one final question for you. Well, Biden is totally controlled by the progressive wing of the party, which is part of the climate cult. So they're not going to back down on anything. They're unwilling to compromise. They probably hated that Bill Clinton was even having any influence at all because he's not nearly radical socialist hard left enough for them. No. That's like, oh, my God, that's the enemy. That's that's moderation. They, they, they want to go and moderate. Here's what I can't wait for, Kirk. I promise you this is going to happen. I'm just going to say it real quick. Then I'm going to get to the last question. When the election is over, AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Ilan Omar, the whole squad, the whole Happy Days gang, they're going to be going bananas saying that the Democrats didn't run more hard left enough they're going to fault they're going to they're going to create fault on the democrats not being socialist democrat enough let me just let that sit out there final question the music is playing warren buffett said and i quote i wouldn't buy all the bitcoin in the world for 25 dollars is he right i've been of the opinion that the that whole cryptocurrency thing is a leap of faith there's nothing behind it so well, how's that different than the dollar which is just based by the good faith of the united states yeah i and don't get me wrong I, I don't like this bitcoin stuff i don't like it but that's all that everything is based on our currency is not based on a precious metal or anything like that it used to be um no when we have more time let's let's go further into that there's a better answer than that. Uh, I'm against it for a lot of reasons. It's extremely volatile, and there's a lot of other reasons. But I think it is here to stay. People are buying imaginary plots of land. It's crazy. WPG Atlantic City, WENJHD3, Millville, a town square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. Chuck Mal. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground. 
to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thanks very much. Six minutes past the hour. Chuck Malamut is here, and this program is presented by Chuck Malamut, a financial advisor at Morgan Stanley. The information, views, and opinions expressed are those of Chuck Malamut and do not necessarily reflect those of Morgan Stanley or its affiliates. They are current as of the date of this broadcast and are subject to change without notice. Neither the information provided nor any opinion expressed herein constitutes a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. This presentation is for informational purposes only. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, member SIPC. Chuck Malamut, top of the morning, my friend. Morning, Harry. How you doing? I'm doing A-OK. Welcome to May. <laughs> April... April could not have ended quick enough, that's for sure, because, uh, you know, it was uh, certainly an aberration to the rule. And I uh, I remember chatting with you as we ended at the end of March, beginning of April, and I, the comment was April traditionally is the best month. Wow. In, uh, Except in, in 2022. In, in, in the stock market. 2022 has been quite unusual, and we'll get into some of the dynamics Chuck, here. tell me if a stat that I wrote down about... Uh, Let's see, about 3 o'clock this morning. So five hours and seven minutes ago, I wrote these words. Worst yearly start for stocks since 1939. Am I correct? I, Harry, I heard you and Kirk this morning, and I, I'm not sure, but it certainly it, it wouldn't um, it wouldn't phase me in the least. If that's the case, when you think about you know what has happened in the first four months of this year, not only in the equity markets, uh, domestically, internationally, and the fixed income markets as well. Everything, everything kind of rolled over. And if you think about it, the only thing that really worked, two, you know, uh, two investments, cash, commodities, commodities, specifically energy. If you take energy as a component of the S&P 500, energy represents about 2.5%. And, and, and I know you don't ever talk about any one day, but just humor me because... I had a very busy day yesterday. I wrote four pieces of digital content after the show ended. So I didn't stop until about 7 o'clock last night. Uh, and I thought I heard in the back of my recesses of my mind, I thought I heard Neil Cavuto having a conversation with someone that the market yesterday had gyrations that were just incredible. Is that what happened? And it finally yeah. was in the in, you, you, in the favorable. You're, you're, but. you're correct. So we, we finished up last week on, on Friday, and we've had two consecutive Fridays now. What I'll describe is total, total give up and everyone sort of running to the hills. And a lot of the um, a lot of the actions that we're seeing, Harry, now are driven by algorithms uh, oftentimes. And not necessarily, you know, in, individual making investment decisions. And uh, is, that, evidence, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't necessarily agree with it. And as evidence in, over, over the weekend, um, the Berkshire Hathaway meeting, you know, Warren Buffett said the equity markets oftentimes now reminds him of a casino. Wow. And, you know, when he makes a statement like that, you have to be careful. But on the flip side, when his company... It puts $50 billion to work in the first quarter in a number of stocks 
that he's they've owned and they're you know adding to or, or acquiring for the first time. I think that's a statement all to itself. But I quoted him last hour in advance of your show, Chuck, and said that Warren Buffett said yesterday that if he were offered all the Bitcoin in the world I've for twenty five dollars, he would say no. Uh, He's I, not a fan of Bitcoin, uh, of, of that whole crypto well, stuff. Well, his partner, Charlie Munger, is less of a fan. Wow. So Charlie Munger wouldn't probably pay anything. But that's I think that's a story for another day. Yeah. But but he did say it. If you look at – we we limped into the close last Friday, and it was, it was really ugly. And for the week, uh, the S&P, the Dow Jones, the NASDAQ, the Russell 2000, all off anywhere from 25 to almost 4%. That puts you at a year-to-date number. The uh, the winner of the group is a Dow down nine percent, and uh, unfortunately, um, you know, in last in the last spot is the Nasdaq, which is down twenty one percent year to date. But when you look at the all time highs put in the Nasdaq, particularly, that index is down about twenty five percent, and a lot of this is all the you know dependent on the, you know, these large tech, large cap tech companies. Oftentimes, are you know are geared to what is happening with interest rates, and we're going to talk a fair amount in a few minutes about what we think will be happening with the Fed. But to to answer your question with respect to yesterday's action, mm-hmm. uh, Neil Cavuto is you you heard it correct. I, I, we opened up to the upside, uh, gave that back fairly quickly. And, um, you know, it's if you I mean, just take some points in time during the day, depending upon when you looked at your portfolio, you probably had a significantly different views of the stock market. At at 1030, the Dow was up about 250 points at 230. Harry, it was down 527 points. Uh, From there, the, the 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 all three indices rallied into the close. And the Dow was up about 84, 84 points. Now, so you think about that round trip we had, plus two fifty, minus five twenty seven, to a plus eighty four. So, so the the volatility you know that we're seeing right now, um, you know, it, it's track. You know, you have these different debates in the market, and and we oftentimes are now seeing a lot of the same news. Over and over and over again, um, you know, it's that negative news flow uh, and you're sort of in that, you know, I don't want to say broken record because we don't have records anymore. But um, the the problem is we have to we have to break away from that cycle. And I don't know if we saw it yesterday or maybe yesterday there was some bargain hunting. But, you know, the volatility that we're looking at is tracking different debates within the market. Some analysts are saying we've seen an inflation pay peak. I think you're going to probably say otherwise, at least based on what you said in the last hour. Others say that maybe we're going to we, we're going to continue to see a persistence in high prices. Some are expecting an, ag- an aggressive Fed monetary policy uh, to force the economy into a recession. Others think the Fed can still pull off a soft landing. Uh, I'm not sure, but you know, Harry, you know what is. We all we spend so much time talking about the stock market, and not a lot of time talking about the bond market. What happened yesterday morning, shortly after the open? Uh, the, the most notable number in the trading that we saw 
came not from the stock market, from the bond market. The 10-year Treasury yield briefly crossed 3% for the first time since 2018. So we're talking four years ago. It did close, and get this, 2995 it's hmm. still the highest level that we've seen since the end of November of 2018, and and you know the significance goes beyond that rounding of that of that of a of a nice round number. You know the ten year right now offers a positive inflation adjusted yield or real yield as we've seen it for the first time since the start of the of the COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, so. You're seeing, you know, interest rates. Is that good for good reasons, or is it happening for bad reasons? I, I, I think it, I think it's all all dependent upon, you, you know, what what the Fed is going to do. When yeah. you when you when you when you think about this, do they know what they're going to do? They seem uh, to kind of be. They have a little. Well, they they. <laughs> I I mean, it's been it's been pretty much broadcast uh, everywhere that they're coming with fifty basis points, yeah. and. As we oftentimes talk about, it's not so much the move or the change. Uh, it's, it's more how they telegraph when they have their press conference at, uh, yeah. you know, shortly after. It's we, usually 2.15 on Wednesdays. We have to get the first break in. We're going to come right back. I, my position on the Fed is going to be I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for a period of time because I think they've earned it. Their stewardship during very, very difficult times, unprecedented pandemic and everything else was just perfect. This seems a little uneven to me, what they're doing and how they're doing it, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt until it, it if it got to the point where just you couldn't ignore it. Uh, and I, I hope that we don't get to that point. We'll be back with Chuck Malamut in just a moment. A reminder for all of your financial planning needs, turn to the official, the exclusive financial advisor for the Hurley in the Morning program, Chuck Malamut, 609-383-2010. We'll be back with Chuck. I am Harry Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio, 95.5, South Jersey's number one talk station, all because of you and we know it. WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's talk station. Brian Kilmeade is next at 10. Now, back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. With Chuck Malama talking all about your financial matters. Uh, so I think we covered stocks and bonds and the investors that are on edge at the moment. This came as a shock to many, I, I wasn't surprised. I started to look at what was happening, and inflation has now literally run away. That's not a pejorative. It's, it's an actual term when it gets to this point. So the economy actually uh, shrank in, in the first quarter. Did this shock the world, Chuck? I think the world, uh, world was taken, uh, taken completely off, off guard, here. But we were only expected to grow by like 1%, well, right? But, but think about this. You're, you're, you're correct. The... the the first quarter, the first quarter came in at a blistering six point nine percent, and annualized. And I think everyone realized that that was not going to be achievable. Uh, the contraction that we saw in the in the Q one of two thousand twenty two was at minus one point four percent, and you know the expectation was was plus was plus one right two point four off. So, so that is a that's a big move. And, big miss. And, um, now, when you take a look at the number itself, there's a, there's a 
there's a couple things that that drive that number. You know, consumer spending was solid. It was up about 2.7%. We had a big, a huge U.S. Uh, trade deficit. We had lower government spending, and we had a decline in inventory investment. That, that, that pulled that overall figure into negative territory. The core personal consumption expenditures price index, as we refer to it, um, in the U.S. Federal Reserve's favored inflation number, rose in an annualized 5.2% last quarter. So I think you hit it on the mark. You know, we have these, you know, we're, we're, we're getting sort of attacked, you know, wherever you turn, mm-hmm. whether it's it's high inflation, whether it's now we're talking, you know, now we're talking a recession. Well, that's what that the moment I heard the minus 1.4. See, and you know me for a lifetime, Chuck, I'm not one of these people I root for America. I don't want things to be bad so that the next election goes well for any one side. I want us to always be doing well. So I was not happy about this. But the first thing I thought of was, wow, we are now potentially less than three months. If we contract again, we will officially, by definition, be in a recession. And that's that's regrettable. Uh, totally avoidable. Yeah, when, agreed. When you think about it, but if, you know, I, I, what's the expectation for the second quarter now? I've heard, Harry. It's all over the board. They're, they're, Is it, are the experts saying that we should grow or the, that we could contract again? There is a very small minority that are saying that we will f- we will have a recession in two thousand and twenty two. Well, so that it's on the line right now. So that indicates that we have to come. We have Q2 to grow in the second quarter with it with uh, you know with a positive number. But even if it's fractional, it will keep when, us when out of the about recession. Getting, when you talk about getting attacked from all all sides here, if you look at the stock market in particular, according to Bank of America, uh, equities saw an outflows of thirty one point six billion dollars over the last three weeks, and that's the largest outflow that we've seen, Harry, mm. since March of 2020. Wow. Uh, you know, talking about the Fed, the the market's pricing in a 50 basis point hike for each of the next four meetings, four meetings. So that takes you, you know, to a, a, at least two and a quarter, two and a half. Uh, they're anticipating a total of 11 total 25 basis point hikes for 2022. So, so past this prologue, then your rates are going to go up in terms of mortgage rates and things like that. I guess at some point the credit cards are going to be raising. We'll see. Uh, they always have. They haven't yet that I'm aware of. And then also the yield rates are going to go up. So we are seeing, at least for savers now, uh, uh, some value in owning uh, short-term certificates of deposit uh, along with some quality, quality, quality money market funds. At the same time, and, and it's been a long time uh, since in short-term investors have been rewarded for parking their money in, in, in a safe haven. But so, if the Fed comes with eleven, you know, twenty-five basis points, you know, increments, we'll call it, it takes you to what two and three quarters uh, by the end of the year, and that would be consistent with what they've been talking about. They've been very, very hawkish. I mean, they're trying desperately to get to to neutral. Uh, to, Do they to, react though? To they, their goal is for those who don't know. I'll say this 
in layman's terms, you, terms, you correct me if I'm wrong, the Fed is trying to slow the economy down in order to fight inflation. E- exactly. Correct? They're trying to combat inflation. But the economy is slowing down the very economy, much. The economy is doing it sort of all by itself. So if as, we're contracting as, at one point, negative 1.4% for the first quarter, then can't they just leave it to its own devices? Uh, well, that's the purpose of having these monthly meetings. So do you think that they, they will be potentially moved by the fact that growth was expected, but instead we got contraction, and that's even before the first 50 basis points increase? Well, the 50 basis points is sort of baked into the cake. Okay. I, I mean, if you look at these real rates that we're seeing. One or many of them baked in? Several. Okay. Several. And if well. you, I mean, if you think about, Harry, you know, where you can buy short-term certificates or treasuries right now, and uh, they seem to be rather attractive, certainly comparatively to where we've been over the, over the last several years. And the other thing the Fed's going to do, they're going to, uh, they're going to formally announce the quantitative tightening as well if you remember they're you know they were buying bonds uh during you know during the pandemic who are these wonderful new buyers that are going to back well that's the problem so being that we all understand this that's going to happen uh they're going to allow a monthly balance sheet runoff of about 95 billion per month which includes 60 billion in treasuries and 35 billion in mortgage-backed securities uh, you know that that again is built into these to what's happened to the bond market, Harry. <clears throat> we had the worst quarter. We had the worst quarter performance in the bond market in the Treasury market in the, over the last fifty years. Wow! In the first quarter of two thousand twenty-two. Two minutes before the bo- bottom of the hour break, I think we can do this one. If we need more time, it's yours on the other side of the break. Jobs data. So. As you know, uh, we're going to get the non-farm payroll report on Friday for the month of for the month of April. the The consensus is a gain of about three hundred ninety thousand jobs for April. A little bit of a slowdown from the four hundred thirty-one thousand jobs that were added in March. This is the concern. It's the Average hourly earnings are expected to rise about four-tenths of one percent month over month, which would keep the year-over-year growth of around five and a half percent. So you think about it, you got a very tight labor market. You have to, the employers have to pay up for that. And what does that do? That just continues to drive inflation yeah. in, the, in the wrong direction. And Chuck, I've also noticed gas prices are sneaky creeping back uh, up. I don't think they're sneaky creeping up. I mean, it was up. a lot they, of they moved, they moved very quickly yeah. over the weekend. It's 4.38 now and almost $5.00. For the super, it's back. Well, how about to the price of diesel pushing six dollars? Diesel's crazy right now. Brief timeout. We'll be back with Chuck Malamut. I am early in the morning. This is WPG Talk Radio ninety five point five. This is the Town Square, New Jersey, Info and Weather Network. And this is Harry Hurley at thirty minutes past the hour with three stories that you can follow right now on our WPG Talk Radio ninety five point five app. Our coverage has brought about. The appearance of Mayor Small today regarding the Atlantic City Fire Department shortages, both in staffing and apparatus. Also, fish heads, Dredgy Wood has until today to get out of an establishment that he's been in for years. And New Jersey's Sam Alito holds the key to Roe v. Wade. That and more on the app. 
From the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. You'll encounter some patchy fog and murky clouds around early this morning, but the sky should brighten up a bit by this afternoon. High temperature today limited to around 60, beach towns especially cool, stuck in the 50s. Scattered rain showers tonight, maybe even an isolated thunderstorm, low 52. Lingering rain tomorrow morning, then we'll catch peaks of sun in the afternoon. Tomorrow's high, 68. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Sean Hannity this afternoon at 3. Now, early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. It is 35 minutes past the hour. Chuck Malamut with uh, your financial matters. First quarter earnings. Now, see, this is an area I've been paying a lot of attention to. Earnings have been pretty good, Chuck. Harry, they have they have been relatively good. We had mixed results uh, last week from the mega mega cap tech names, and not to name a few companies, but uh, there was a lot of destruction out there mm-hmm. in in, um, in in a couple of your favorite companies. So about seventy five percent of the S and P five hundred companies uh, have reported uh, to date. Earnings are on a pace to grow about ten point eight percent. Uh, it, it is solid, right? But, but it's a it's at a slower pace of growth compared to where we've been over the last um, several quarters. Now, Chuck, I know you never talk about any one company, but uh, I I am not bound by that. So I will mention four earnings that will be revealed today include Pfizer, Airbnb, Starbucks, and Lyft. Today's a big day. Well, Pfizer already reported, and what they report late last? No, they reported bef- okay. few, uh, earlier this earlier how, this morning. How they do? Reasonably well, but the stock is down because they're f- the 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 forecast. Why they report early? They don't report early. I mean, it's, they're it's scheduled. Today. I mean, okay. you know, some report before they open. Okay. Some report after the close. I Apple, gotcha. uh, your favorite company, always reports. I believe it's at either at four. At four oh six or four ten. Now, is reporting the, after the close usually though when you haven't done well? Not necessarily. No, it's okay. all it's all scheduled. All right, good. It's all scheduled. So when you go Still back, a big day. When you go back, uh, the the commentary that a lot of companies are coming with and the outlook, it's all around the supply chain disruptions. And as you know, with you know China being you know shut down for the most part. I mean, it sounds like Shanghai is coming back and. Beijing did not go through a total shutdown. You've had import cost pressures. You've had pricing power. I mean, that's all been a net drag on the market. And again, you know, what is being discussed during these earnings calls as to the direction and the forecasting of where we're going to be in, you know, moving forward. Uh, So as I mentioned before, Harry, you know, we have... Uh, you know the market. There's a whole lot going on in, in the market. It's not necessarily all 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 good stuff, so to speak. If that makes any sense. Perfect sense. You're Chuck Malamut. The ten-year Treasury. How are we? Where, what direction is so, it heading? So, Harry, I, I, you know, we mentioned just a, a few minutes before uh, the break that the ten-year did go through three percent yesterday. Harry, I, I find this incredible. At the at the start of the year. The ten-year was at one point five one percent. Wow! So we basically doubled that to th- slightly over three percent. 
and a lot of analysts are saying, you know, we're pretty much at the end, and a lot of analysts uh, are saying it's a great time to look at fixed income, quality fixed income. It's a good time to look at long-term dated treasuries as well, and, you know, more of a, as a safety trade, so to speak. Um, now, what does all that mean to the stock market? Remember, go back in time, we'll, you know, we'll talk a little bit your listeners i'm sure remember this price earnings ratio price of the stock divided by the earnings comes up with a pe or price earnings ratio the the higher the number you want the number to be lower not higher mm-hmm. so be when the when the 10 year was a one and a half percent the pe was about 21 times forward earnings right now harry that is now down to about 18 mm-hmm. times and that's the lowest number that we've seen since April of 2020. So volatility. So I, I think that, you know, it's all starting to line up here. When you take <clears throat> the kind of hits that we took, <clears throat> and the NASDAQ down 25%, <clears throat> the S&P down 15 the Dow down 12 there's a lot of blood on the street right now. And, you know, those that have dry powder and cash and did not – get really over their skis and buy these, you know, high-flying tech names with incredible multiples if they made any money at all. It's, I think now is a good time to really, you know, put, it, put your toe back in the water here and get your money to work. Is anything happening financially relative to Elon Musk going after Twitter? Because now I understand he's looking for more um, financing because he doesn't want to use as much of his own money uh is that affecting tesla is that affecting brand elon musk this whole twitter well, thing? La- last week tesla did trade down fairly significantly as a result of he needing to sell stock and raise cash yeah. uh i think it's anybody's think guess it sold like 8.5 billion or something it's, it's anybody's guess as to where we go the, the good news is i mean I'm, I'm you know it's great to hear the deal but uh, but it, it it sucked so much air out of the room, and the markets weren't really focusing on what they needed to focus on. They were just really focused on. So that was a negative event, wasn't it? No, not necessarily. No? But I'm saying we we need you know we need you know there's there's other mega there's other deals that are out there, uh, specifically when you you look at Activision Blizzard with uh, Warren Buffett making a statement. He went in over and announced over the weekend they, they bought a big stake there. Mm. And then, as, as we all know, the, the ongoing battle with Spirit, Frontier, and JetBlue. Well, that was resolved yesterday, right? Well, it's never it's never resolved. But it's, they they knocked somebody out. They though. told they Spirit told JetBlue we're so, not interested. So that meant they were going to go we're, with the other. We're going to continue down the road with um, with Frontier. Do markets like that or? Everything was off. All, yeah. all three, all three stocks were off yesterday. So I, I'm not sure. I think Harry, from a, uh, from a, a consumer's perspective, I, I think the Frontier Spirit uh, keeps that low cost carrier yep. in play. The JetBlue consuming Spirit, uh, I think that just sort of ups the ante and pushes the ticket prices higher. That's just a. I mean, that's just a layman talking, Harry. I've, I have no knowledge for sure. Appreciate the comment, though. We're going to come right back. Then we'll be uninterrupted until the top of the hour. Dr. Mark Newkirk is going to join us in the first half of the 9 o'clock hour. And then it will be after we uh, finish up with Dr. Newkirk for the second half of the hour. Dateline Atlantic City. 
and in particular, what's going to be happening later today, just a few hours from now, relative to the Atlantic City Professional Firefighters uh, movement, positive movement, I believe, for the first time in many years. We've got the story. We'll tell you all of it coming up in just a little bit. When we come back with Chuck Malamut, we'll talk about U.S. home sales and how things are going with rates and everything else, the prices of homes today and so forth. To reach Chuck Malamut for all of your financial planning needs, call 609-383-2010 if I've inspired you to call Chuck and you've dialed 609-383-2010. Tell Chuck Malamut that I sent you. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. From the world's playground, this is Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We're back. 49 minutes past the hour with Chuck Malama talking all about your financial matters. First quarter. No, 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 no. Let me go back. Let me go back. We, we teased U.S. home sales right before the break. How are we doing? Uh, not particularly good, Harry. And and if you look uh, at at what has happened with the the interest rates, you know, moving in the wrong direction, we we've now seen a fair amount of deterioration in existing home sales, uh, sale and also sales of new homes. And this is according to the. Uh, National Association of Realtors, and on, and on top of that, pending home sales. They all declined during the month of March. Uh, Harry, pending home sales index fell for the fifth, the fifth straight month. New home sales uh, declined for the fourth. Is it a perfect storm? Is it a combination of lack of inventory? Rates are going up. Is, is it all the above? Yeah, exactly. It is a, a squeeze in home, a squeeze in home affordability caused by rising prices, higher mortgage rates, uh, and inventory. Mm. So in 2021, it was up about 20%, uh, that being home price appreciation. The home prices move, and I know that you and nephew Jim always talk about Yoda or Zillow and keeps um, going up as well be curious okay so hopefully it goes up again this month but um home appreciation throughout the country here is going to moderate to about eight percent according to the to the uh, national association of realtors and that would be for for 2022 i'm doing it right now chuck while you're on the air uh this is for this entire glorious period of several years at least it has never ever been in the red, 1% growth over the past 30 days. It's been every month. Yeah, I'd be curious if I could fast forward that clock about 60 or 90 yeah. days, what it, what it would look like. Yeah. Um, I think it might be a little bit of a different story. Might be ticking down, right? Uh, but, and a lot of that, Harry, I think it, it all goes back to, be, believe it or not, the volatility that we're seeing in the equity markets. You think about the average retail investor, they, a lot have sort of stepped to the sidelines here. And we oftentimes remember for, it seemed, you know, in, in prior years that volatility was fairly non-existent. Yes. But right, I mean, remember how we started the show today? We talked about the market on yesterday, mm-hmm. open 250, down 500 plus, up 84 at the close. Yeah, it's crazy. So the, the percentage of days that the S&P has had a range of more than 1%, 
year to date is nearly 90%. Wow. 90% of the time, so year different. to date, we have traded plus or minus 1%. Mm. So, and I think that has, uh, that has unnerved a lot of investors, Harry, and that's yeah. the highest we have seen since the financial crisis more than a decade ago. And a lot of the, a lot of these comparisons that we're seeing right now, you know, take us back to the financial crisis. And I, I, I sort of, we all have a sixth sense and not that I don't sense we're not, I mean, the, the world is different, but you know, uh, oftentimes it's always the same. And I think that we've been through some really challenging times here for the first four months of this year. And I am hoping, I'm, and our strategist, who has been very dour, uh, thinks that we're very close. I mean, you might get another 3 or 5% on the S&P on the downside, uh, but then hopefully moving forward. And I think if anything, if we've learned anything from this exercise, you know, you need to be patient. You need to be focused, laser focused. You need to understand, you know, why you're investing money. And what your goals are all about, and then oftentimes, in a little, bit, a little bit of an advertisement, we often, you know, we offer and have with a lot of our clients the life view, uh, which takes all the information and pushes it forward, and understands what your probability of success is, you know, during, you know, th- uh, in the beginning, through, and at the end of your retirement, uh, and that is. That is really, in our world, the Holy Grail, the Bible. We need that to be able to make recommendations strong, um, you know, for our clients. Thank you, Chuck Malamon, and thank you, Mike Wilson. First quarter bond market, where are we at? So, Harry, as I mentioned to you before, it was the worst we've seen in 50 years. That's 5-0. That's a long time. We were, wow. we were mere pups, you know, the last time this has happened. So, you know, the, what, what, I don't think you're going to get the same – you're going to get a repeat in the second quarter, like we've had in the first quarter, the route that we saw in the bond market, um, we have never seen treasury yields jump the way they did at the pace and the magnitude, really, rarely ever seen. Uh, and that obviously dragged down fixed income returns, not only domestically, but internationally as well. And, and uh, you know, the longer duration bonds and the higher quality assets, the everything, Harry, you know, the rate shock, everything got taken to the cleaner, so to speak. It was just a really, really tough quarter. Uh, you know, much of the bad news, the Fed hikes, inflation, that's already been priced in. And, and bonds tend to be pretty resilient during, during sell-offs for the most part and during these Fed hiking periods. And in, in many cases, you know, fixed income investments will work out very well when the Fed starts moving rates. Uh, so that's something I think your listeners need to be need to be made aware of here. Chuck, what about specifically municipal bonds? Muni bonds, Harry, did, again, did not have a great first quarter and uh, are shunned on oftentimes. But I think, Harry, um, I- I- you know, investors really need to take a look, especially, look, living in New Jersey, uh, earning wages in New Jersey, living in New York, I mean, living in California, I mean, owning a municipal bond, you know, provides, you know, triple tax-free income. And for the most part, if you buy them right, and I would definitely buy general obligation Harry bonds. I would, I would not, you know, and that being, um, I would not buy necessarily a revenue bond, but it's like anything else. You really need to understand, you know, uh, what you're doing here. Uh, but investors, you know, Harry, 
they took out about forty billion forty billion a month over the last several months out of the bond market. Wow! And that's something that being municipals, and I think where's it going? Uh, a lot of it's just going to cash. Mm. You know, I, I think that fear factor set in, and people just, you know, they put, you know, they, would you call that panic? Uh, I don't want to call it a panic. I, I concern. Wanna, very concerned. I'm going I'm to okay. leave it at that if that makes fair. any sense. Very okay? fair. Beyond the bonds, let's yeah, talk yeah. about growth stocks. So, you know, Harry, you know, if you look beyond bonds, you know, and you look particularly at growth, uh, again, pummeled in the first quarter with respect to these rising yields. And we are expecting some stabilization. I think we saw it yesterday. Um, you know, there were some major tech names that did post solid gains, uh, you know, for the first quarter. Growth shares, you know, do move higher in the, in the wake of downside, you know, data surprises like the negative first quarter GDP headline typically we see. So, Harry, I wouldn't, you know, again, would you like, you know, are you are you a shopper and, and like to buy things at a discount? We oftentimes yes. talk about that. Yes. And I think at this point in time, uh, there, there is a significant amount of value out there. And it's just a matter of being able to pick your spots, be patient, try not and stay off of your devices because you will definitely make bad decisions there why should we care about australian core inflation well it's i think harry this is sort of the beginning of the end uh it's i know that oftentimes we talk about you know what is happening within our country and inflation but inflation is everywhere in australia in particular core inflation accelerated to 3.7 percent it's it's setting the stage there now we saw it actually i think it was yesterday or this morning harry harry that uh rate hikes from mm. the Reserve Bank of Australia. Is the world experiencing inflation like we are, or are we uh, doing worse than the world? How are things going? Uh, well, we're sort of right, you know, in lockstep with Euro, oh. with Europe. I mean, if you look mm. at the Eurozone, inflation hit their highest level uh, since the launch of the Euro in 1999. So, Harry, with 23 years, uh, it was at 7.5%. Uh, core prices were up three and a half percent and again the ecb has to really look at what they're doing to sort of normalize things economic growth did grow uh 0.2 percent in the first quarter uh and that was down from 0.3 percent in the fourth quarter so they they're 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 eking by they're but i think harry the what i wanted to let your listeners be made aware of that it's it's not just here Mm. Um, and, and there's a lot of reasons for it. I mean, uh, and I think it's something you need to be, be made aware of. Well, when it's here, we, we help bring it about the world, don't we? We do. We're the yeah. leader. We yeah. are the leader. And if we didn't have it, many of them probably wouldn't have it. 30 seconds, closing comment. Harry, look, um, two Fridays in a row, really bad equity markets. Awful, an awful April. Uh, the worst on the books. Uh, as you mentioned, 1939, the worst start. And... and I think there is value out there, and you need to be—you uh, need to be patient. Do you think people are in a mindset that they see buying opportunities, or do they still see uncertainty and concern? More the latter. Yeah, I think that's they, the I, magic. I, I think there's a there's definitely a buyer strike right now. Six zero nine three eight three twenty ten. The number to reach Chuck Malamut. Six zero nine three eight three twenty ten for all of your financial planning needs. Chuck, Harry, thanks for having me. Awesome. See you next week. You're the best. Actually, two weeks. I'll be away. See you in two weeks. And you're going to be education news by the time we get back.
Student debt. WENJHD3 Millville, a town square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. Dr. New- From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you and welcome back. It's six minutes past the hour. It's my pleasure to welcome you to Newkirk Family Veterinarians presents an important discussion twice monthly on the first and third Tuesday of every month from 9.05 until 9.35. And Dr. Mark Newkirk is here, owner-operator of Newkirk Family Veterinarians for more than four decades. And they have just done an outstanding job for your pets and also you wonderful human owners. Um, Because Dr. Newkirk and his team know that your pets are members of your family. That's why it's Newkirk Family veterinarians you're all family 3085 english creek avenue egg harbor township on the web newkirk family veterinarians s at the end plural dot com 609-645-2120 to make an appointment 609-645-2120 dr newkirk how are you sir Oh, very well, very well. Our weather's finally straightening out a little bit, hopefully. It's starting to get a little warm, so I'm always happy with this kind of weather. And also evidence that what we talked about in the last Newkirk episode, because I know someone very, very well that pulled a tick, probably a deer tick it was, but pulled a tick off of themselves, uh, and now they're on the wait, you know, looking for is there a bullseye rash or anything come about it. The ticks are out, aren't they, Doc? And we'll get, I know we have some focused things we're going to be doing, but I wanted to bring up the issue of ticks because I have evidence that they're out, not just theory, and you know it too. Yeah, um, ticks are uh, always out starting as soon as the weather gets a little warm. So even in February, we had those warm days, and then uh, uh, some of the ticks came out. But uh, April certainly is the season. You know, April, May is the ticks, uh, May, June, mosquitoes, and uh, June, July, as it gets hot, the fleas. So this is Mother Nature's uh, favorite time of the year for all her uh, creepy critters. And it certainly exposes humans as well as our pets to uh, diseases, Uh, tick disease, of course, like Lyme disease. There's also what's called anaplasma and another one called Ehrlichia. And uh, we do see these diseases. We routinely test uh, all of our dogs in uh, springtime, typically springtime, at least once a year for uh, tick disease because tick disease can lay dormant in the body for many months. Uh, it can show very vague signs. Uh, rarely do we see the bullseye, mm. and multiple species uh, do carry these diseases now. It's not just the deer tick uh, anymore. And the problem is it can be in there and causing damage to joints and damage to kidneys and other things. And until the arthritis is advanced or until the kidneys get sick, you don't know that this disease is in there. So it's important to have them screen. And of course, important to have heartworm screening by mosquitoes because all the same rules apply. There are really no signs until the 
uh, heart starts to have problems, and obviously we don't want to have problems. This is a preventable disease uh, by the use of the various uh, heartworm disease preventatives, and this is time of year to be screening as well. But, yeah, the ticks are out, and uh, I've found some on me already just walking around the backyard. So uh, be vigilant. Start your tick protection. Um, I should say your tick disease protection. Um, It's important to know that you've got to read the fine print because what the labels will say is helps prevent tick diseases. And what happens is our ICs help prevent ticks. And oftentimes clients will come in and say, you told me to get that stuff and I see ticks on my dog. All, repeat, all of the tick disease preventatives, the collars, the orals, the spot-ons, the topicals, none of them are preventing ticks. There's nothing that creates this magic box around your dog or cat that keeps ticks off. The object is to hopefully kill the ticks before they can transmit the disease, and therefore we're helping prevent tick disease. So it's important to understand that you still should be going over your animals, uh, especially the ears, the groin, the armpits, uh, around the uh, base of the tail, uh, be looking for ticks, and especially our dogs who are outside uh, several times a day. So important vigilance. Doc, we're going to have time to go to Mother's Day in just a moment. I want to follow up on the ticks because knowing that they're out there and then you do your inspection and you you see one, what do you recommend? Because sometimes people will go grab tweezers. They won't get the whole thing. They got, they, they're left with problems on their hands. How do you go about tick removal, in your opinion? Yeah, you know, honestly, there's uh, all these little gadgets uh, that are out there to help remove the ticks. Uh, You can find them online. You can find them in PetSmart. But most of them kind of look like, uh, you know, if you've been on an airplane, the old, the spork, the combination of spoon and fork, just kind of what it looks like. It looks like a little spoon with a little V uh, cut in it. Uh, And this is designed to get under the head of the tick. The the nice thing about a lot of the newer products is that these are nerve toxins to the tick, and what happens then, it paralyzes the jaws. Uh, the jaws open up and ticks will drop off, or when you pull them, you know, it will the heads will come out. Uh, sometimes they're just embedded in there so bad that uh, the veterinarian needs to take them out. We're usually actually using a, a very pointed scalpel to dig those things out of there. So... Uh, they can be tough. Uh, just the best thing is just a gentle pressure. If you have a pair of tweezers, uh, you know, try to. You really need to sort of push into the skin so you can try to get under that head and and more gentle traction than a yank. You'll 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 leave the head in there almost always if you yank it. So, but uh, these little spork-like things actually tend to work pretty well. And if you were to leave the head in there. That's not a good result, correct? Right. Well, two things happen. The body keeps reacting to that, so uh, you're going to get a, a big welt there that's very itchy. And the problem is is that the tick can still transmit the disease from the salivary glands of the tick. So it is important to get that head out of there. You're listening to Dr. Mark Newkirk. We only take one break during Newkirk Family 
Veterinarians Presents. Dr. Mark Newkirk will be back in just a little bit. Don't go away. And when we come back, not only are we going to honor mom on the Dr. Mark Newkirk, Newkirk Family Veterinarians Radio Program, but Dr. Newkirk um, is going to share important information and advice in terms of things that take place during Mother's Day, gifts and so on, that can be very, um, very dangerous, to, to, to put it mildly, with your pets. Dr. Newkirk will talk all about that next. And a reminder to make an appointment. Uh, don't do as I say, do as we already do. Doc, Dr. Newkirk uh, is our veterinarian, the entire family. 609-645-2120. 609-645-2120 to make an appointment on the web at Newkirk familyveterinarians.com. It's 15 minutes past the hour with Dr. Newkirk presenting all about your pets. Mark Levin. But I'm sick and tired of America being treated like it's not the land of opportunity. Oh, woe is me. They're holding me back. Everybody with a chip on their shoulder. Nobody's holding you back. Maybe you're just a damn loser. Mark Levin, weeknights at 6 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thanks. Welcome back. 18 minutes past the hour on the Hurley in the Morning program on WPG Talk Radio 95.5, all because of you, South Jersey's number one talk station. We thank you for that very, very much. We try each morning to show you how much we appreciate your support. We are visiting with Dr. Mark Newkirk. It's the Newkirk Family Veterinarians Radio Program on the first and third Tuesday of every month in the first half hour of the nine o'clock hour, Dr. Newkirk talks all about your pets. So now is the opportunity, Dr. Newkirk. We're going to honor moms uh, for everything that they are and all that they do and also share some of the concerns that happen around Mother's Day uh, relative to the pets. Doc, time is yours. Yeah, it's an important time to remember uh, mom, of course, but also to remember that our, our pets do like to get into mischief uh, all the time, not just Mother's Day. And uh, chocolate, of course, oftentimes is given to mom, and we have the problem with uh, dogs, especially, who smell that stuff. They It's sweet. They like to eat it. Um, and this can certainly cause problems in dogs, uh, liver problems, kidney problems, uh, and especially if you're baking. Uh, baking chocolate is, is the worst. And this is due to a compound called theobromine. And um, while it's not harmful to humans uh, in dogs, uh, this can really cause some big problems. So uh, be vigilant. Uh, we, we know, of course, you don't give the dog chocolate on purpose, but... Um, many times, you know, we might leave some chocolate out if we're having guests over or, uh, you know, guests bring chocolate and you happen to just lay it down while you're greeting the people. And, you know, so just be double careful with that stuff. Um, the other big one, especially for cat owners, is lilies. And lilies are often given at Easter, of course, but also to mom on Mother's Day. Um for uh, cats, this can actually be pretty deadly. Um, they they can if they eat the leaves, the the flowers, uh, the pollen, or sometimes they might even drink the the water from the vase. Uh, and this can cause uh, severe kidney failure uh, in cats. And this is an emergency situation if they get into this stuff. Uh, there's really no antidote for this. 
and um, there are things that we can try to do as doctors to uh, try to save the cat, but if they got enough of this stuff, uh, it can just blow the cat, uh, blow the kidneys. Um, most studies show that actually the mortality rate for lily poisoning, that means how many animals, if they get exposed to it, uh, that actually die despite uh, veterinary intervention is, is uh, 50%. So uh, that's half of the cats, of course, that get into this stuff will die. So um, if you have these uh, lilies hanging around, and it is most species of lilies, uh, be very, very careful with your cats uh, or, you know, get them up someplace really high. Of course, cats are kind of a pain in the butt. They can jump up there, but uh, just be double, double careful with these lilies because um, it, it is an emergency for cats. It's a good time also to give everyone the, the Pet Poison Helpline, which is something that everyone should have no matter what, um, because animals do get into things, and again, especially dogs. And in fact, the number one poisoning or toxin every single year for animals that are presented to the emergency clinics is is not what you might think. Oh, rat poison or um, you know plant fertilizer poison. The number one poisoning is dogs getting into humans' medicine, and we oftentimes leave our containers out there on the countertop. And remember, those um, childproof lids are no match for a dog's sharp teeth. So. Uh, you know, you'll get some of these big dogs that are up there. They're counter surfers, as we call them, and you know they're sniffing, standing up there, and who knows why they decide to chew on a bottle of pills. The problem is, oftentimes, then the owner doesn't know how many pills were left in the bottle. We don't know. This is usually a discovery that you find uh, when you come home or whatever. So we don't know how long ago the animal. Uh, ingested the pills, and um, we don't know typically, uh, gen the general veterinarian does not know all of the human medications on the face of the planet and all of the possible side effects in the dog, in the cat, in the bird. We don't know that off the top of our heads. It's a tremendous amount of information. So the number one thing you want to do before you even call me is you call the Pet Poison Healthline and you say, hey, my dog got into XYZ. Um, what do I expect? Or is it toxic or, you know, that kind of thing. And then armed with that medication or that information, rather, then you call me and then we decide what to do. Uh, because they they will also give instructions as to, well, should we make this dog vomit or should we not? There are some medications that you want to do that, and there are some that you do not want to do that. Um, so this is very, very important information. So everybody should have this. In. The phone number is 855-764-7644. Seven six four, seven six six one. There is a fee, but this information is going to be extremely valuable and potentially life-saving. Um, the other little bit of first aid that everyone should have in their house, in my opinion, is good old hydrogen peroxide. And actually, we can use this to make animals vomit. 
So if the pet poison helpline says, well, make them vomit, we, I mean, we don't know if this was in there hours ago or five minutes ago, uh, but make them vomit. And, you know, by the time you pack up the dog and get him in the car and you drive over to see me, you know, that medicine was just eaten five or ten minutes before you found it. By the time you get to me 30 minutes or so later, a lot of that's getting absorbed in the bloodstream. So good old hydrogen peroxide at home, uh, that will uh, make the dog vomit. Uh, so first call the pet poison helpline. They should tell you how much to give as well to get the dog to vomit. So uh, and cat, uh, get so have yourself a little hydrogen peroxide around. Uh, you'll remember Harry, our mothers thought this was the cure for everything. And so any, any cut or whatever, we got doused in hydrogen peroxide. Hydrogen peroxide, and before that, it was mercurochrome, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. That reddish stain uh, that would get all over the place. You don't hear about that anymore. Doc, we hear about with humans that either ingest by accident or on purpose if somebody is dealing with depression or something and might just take a whole bottle of sleeping pills or something, and they say that they went to the hospital and they, they pumped their stomach. Does that happen with the pets? Do you ever do that? Well, um, yeah, we can flush the stomach out if we can't get the animal to vomit, but pretty classically the hydrogen peroxide will do that. And uh, if not, then we have something called apomorphine, which will make uh, everybody on the planet vomit. Uh, then sometimes what we do is, depending again if it's uh, the toxin or whatever the pills are, then we will uh, dose the dog with what's called activated charcoal. Mm. And uh, activated charcoal then tries to absorb uh, any kind of toxin or, or drug residue that's hanging around in the small intestine. Um, it's definitely not fun for the dog. It's not fun for us. It goes all over the place. Um, but uh, between vomiting and then the, the activated charcoal, you know, this usually helps quite a few of them. And then depending, of course, on what the, the drug is or the poison is, then oftentimes these dogs are admitted. They're put on intravenous fluid therapy. Um, if it's going to hit the kidneys or the liver, then you want to flush these organs out. Uh, as quickly uh, and uh, on a 24-hour care basis. So uh, this is, uh, you know, this is this is bad stuff if your animals get into this kind of thing. So, you know, that old ounce of prevention uh, saying goes along here a lot. You're listening to Dr. Mark Newkirk. It's 28 minutes past the hour. It's early in the morning as well on WPG Talk Radio 95.5 because of you, South Jersey's number one talk station. Dr. Newkirk, uh, involving a type of poison event, it sounds like really um, basic, obvious type stuff, Captain Obvious even without the burgundy blazer, but uh, time is of the essence, isn't it? I mean, the, the faster you get that out, the better chance you have for success, correct? Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, but it's again, it's important to talk to Poison Helpline because if the dog has swallowed something caustic, let's say like uh, something from under your kitchen sink, uh, drain cleaner or something, uh, making the dog vomit will actually 
uh, cause more problems uh, because you'll severely burn that esophagus, uh, and then you've got huge troubles uh, in getting that healed. So um, don't just automatically you know make the dog vomit. You know call that poison help helpline. Uh, they're there 24/7. You have people that are trained in toxicology. They have all the information. Uh, so, you know, that one phone call will steer you in the right direction. So important to, you know, post that thing on your refrigerator someplace where you can find it fast, put it in your phone, um, and, and have that number available. Dr. Newkirk, we have about five minutes left in your program. This time of year, spring is here, and all the things that you talked about in your opening monologue. What um, should folks be doing relative to whatever, whether it's scheduling an appointment, to come see you, to get baseline, or any number of things. What do you focus on this time of year? Now, the biggest thing, especially for uh, our dogs, is as we were talking earlier, was about getting the testing and the screening. Um, and it, at least once a year, this is typically the big time of year when the dogs are coming in. Uh, the test we run is checks for heartworm and then also checks for those three tick diseases that we were uh, mentioning before. And probably in reality, we find one or two positive tick disease dogs pretty much every week. So it's very, uh, very common to have these tick diseases around. The cats, for some reason, seem resistant to these tick diseases. They do not get Lyme. Um, so this is just the difference in the species. Uh, but our cats do get a form of heartworm, so our outdoor cats should be on the preventative as well. So that's number one. And number two, we're coming, of course, into allergy season, and we do have uh, new treatments for these now, uh, so-called um, T-cell, T as in Tom, T-cell inhibitors. And basically, uh, quite revolutionary, actually, it prevents the the body's T cells from going up in response to an allergen. So in other words, pollen comes in, the immune system raises the T cells in reaction to that, the T cells release certain biochemicals, and then those chemicals cause the itch. Uh, the same thing in humans. The pollen comes in, it hits what are called mast cells, and release histamine, and you sneeze, and of course you're taking your antihistamines, but that's after the mast cells have released the histamine. So with these T-cell inhibitors, it actually prevents these cells from going up. So we could cautiously say these help to prevent the allergy reactions. So uh, a very important breakthrough and certainly much safer than uh, giving steroids all the time. You're listening. Now, Yo, go ahead. Please continue. Please. So just a quick word about steroids. It's yep. not that all steroids are bad. You know, if I have an animal that's coming in with severe allergies uh, or severe hives and with the allergies they're scratching themselves bloody, then they're going to get a steroid to really shut this down as quickly as possible. It's the long-term steroid use and the overuse of steroids that are the problem. But certainly of our typical animals, these T-cell inhibitors are, are much safer and they work quite nice. You're listening to Dr. Mark Newkirk to make an appointment with Newkirk Family Veterinarians, 
2120, 609-645-2120 on the web at NewkirkFamilyVeterinarians.com. How about diet during the seasons? Does Do, do things change? Maybe the the warmer weather is the, is the 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 dog, for example, maybe more active, and the, does the does the diet change? Do they eat more? Do they eat differently? Um, also, maybe add in there the importance of hydration as well. What are your thoughts relative to diet uh, and your pets going from into the spring season, ultimately into the summer season? Uh, well, in truth, for most of our house pets, uh, diet doesn't honestly need to be changed. Uh, we might see, for example, going into fall and winter, our hunting dogs. Uh, then we might change the diet for those guys, higher calories, higher protein. As they're out there in the cold. They're running around the fields. Uh, they're, they're swimming in the water. Um, you know, they're kind of working. Uh, we certainly can, and we have a lot of show dogs, so this time of year there's a lot of um, dog shows, agility trials, things like that going on. And so we might change, again, protein levels, especially uh, for that. But typically our our general house pets, our, our general, you know, probably 80% of the dogs out there, we really don't need to change the diet uh, for them. So it would just be working dogs, um, show dogs, things like that doc closing comment final minute it's yours i just want to wish everybody a happy mother's day and uh please heed the things we've been talking about today uh every day is happy pet day because they're always happy to see us no matter what's going on uh so just know that uh Shower them with lots of love and shower them with lots of protection from uh, simple things that can cause a big problem. And make sure you get your your pets in for their uh, vaccinations. This is the time of year when, of course, um, say raccoons, possum, all these uh, animals start running around. There are diseases that can be transmitted to your dog from from these guys. So, you know, make sure they're vaccinated. Make sure your dogs and your outside cats are on the heartworm and the flea tick stuff. And uh, this way we can have a happy uh, spring and summer. Such great content, such important content. Heading into Mother's Day with Dr. Newkirk. Dr. Mark Newkirk, Newkirk Family Veterinarians, the official, the exclusive veterinarian for the Hurley in the Morning program. Dr. Newkirk is 609-645-2120 to make an appointment, 609-645-2120 on the web. And a lot of people visit the web. It's really a, a great site. I would bookmark it, put it on your home screen with your smartphones and on your different laptops, desktops, iPads, and so on. Newkirk familyveterinarians.com. Doc, it flew by. Wonderful visit. Thanks for all the important information. Excellent. And you have a happy uh, Mother's Day as well. Or, well, not you, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I do know exactly what you mean. I'll pass it on to Margie. Thank you, Dr. Newkirk. Take good care. You got to Take care now. Thank you, thank you, my friend. He is Dr. Newkirk, 609-645-2120. When we come back, Dateline Atlantic City, we will give you an example how two-way talk radio can make a material positive difference we believe that it has in this example dateline atlantic city it's a very big day in atlantic city and a very big day for the atlantic city professional firefighters they have been waiting years for word they want definitive word on apparatus 
Keep in mind, they're borrowing from Ventnor. They're borrowing from Margate. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a vagabond lifestyle. There's just It's unacceptable. And, and I do believe that help is on the way. We will tell you next what we've learned. And in the final 10 minutes of today's program, we will visit with retired battalion fire chief Tom Foley. This is Hurley in the Morning. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. Hi, it's Mark Levin. Join me this evening at 6. Now back to Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM. 1450 AM, South Jersey's talk station. Thank you, great one. It's 41 minutes past the hour. I believe today has the potential to be a very positive day for the Atlantic City professional firefighters, and I want to keep it that way. It'd be very easy to just go through the whole litany of of things. It's I think it's important to at least generally say that they have been through uh, they've been through hell. Let, let's not mince words. They have taken massive multi-double-digit cuts in pay in many cases. Not only that, but working harder than ever because less manpower than ever. Couple that with, it it was just a precipitous drop-off in terms of apparatus because just one piece after the other, multiple engines failing and all these different things. And it gets very demoralizing for the good order of any organization, and, and certainly that includes a paramilitary organization, and they're, and they're terrific people that put their lives on the line, and they do, they do a great job. So I want to keep this positive, but I do want to say that th- this is one of those occasions why I absolutely love what I do, and I've been blessed to do it for the past more than 30 years, and most of it here at WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Today... At 12.30 p.m., Atlantic City Mayor Marty Small will publicly address the citizens of Atlantic City in particular, but it will give you the um, the Facebook. It's very simple. The Facebook user area is just facebook.com slash Atlantic City GOV. Facebook.com forward slash Atlantic City GOV. And you can watch this at 12.30 uh, today, as the mayor will speak on the issue of both staffing and apparatus. And this has just gone on for an incredibly extended period of time. And just to say it, because I think we should, there's no doubt in my mind that our coverage on Friday and our relentless coverage yesterday, where we, we shared on-air commentary with the battalion, well, Battalion Chief Foley was on Friday. John Varallo, the firefighter, Local 198 president, on yesterday. Multiple pieces of digital content on the WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app and at WPGTalkRadio.com. And we just called this thing out basically once and for all. It just is unacceptable that the city of Atlantic City is relying on borrowed equipment from Ventnor City and Margate City. It's, it's, it's embarrassing, to, to say the least. This is what we can tell you. Sources of mine within Atlantic City Hall say that Mayor Small will announce today at 1230, just, what, not even three hours from now, less than that, 
He will announce that approximately 22 new Atlantic City professional firefighters will be included in the upcoming budget. Don't hold me to that number at exactly 22 because it was said a little bit, little bit sketchy to me. Approximately 22 is what was shared with me. This also is very important. Two brand new pieces of apparatus that are due to arrive in Atlantic City in October, this October or November. So still a ways to go. Still will be borrowing from Ventnor and from Margate and, and what, whatever else you know they need. But we've also been told that Atlantic City intends to buy a reserve piece of equipment from Ventnor City. And that could take place as early as sometime this month or in the month of June. And that's all predicated by when Ventnor receives their new engine. They've bought a brand new engine. So Atlantic City is going to be taking a, a piece of older equipment from Ventnor where the city will purchase that. But in any event, uh, for me, if this all happens and that's what the mayor says today, this will be of great assistance to the Atlantic City Fire Department. Make no mistake about it. The cuts are far more than what will be restored here. But I mean, nothing had been happening no additional staffing, no additional equipment. And today has the potential to be a big day in the city of Atlantic City. I have more if you want to go to the to the app or to WPGTalkRadio.com. I have more about this, but we, ha- we, we make no bones about this. Our coverage mattered. It moved the mayor. It's not a coincidence. You don't do what we did on Friday and yesterday and all of a sudden today he's speaking Uh, I don't believe in coincidences. Uh, I take no credit for it, but I am very pleased about it. And I'm also proud of the work that we've done to hold leaders to account. When we come back, retired battalion chief Tom Foley will join us for the rest of the program. I am. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a town square media station. To you, my love, my heart, I surrender just as soon as I deal with yonder fender bender. Cause my ice cream truck is the way I make cash, so I'll buy you a ring when I lose this dress rash. Owning a small business isn't always as lovely as it sounds, but at least Progressive Commercial saves you money with personalized discounts. Get a quote in as little as six minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. I'm gonna make you so happy. Sometime next year, I hope. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage and discounts not available for all vehicles or states. Policy terms and conditions apply. Run, walk, honor. The Tunnel to Towers 5K Run and Walk in New York City retraces FDNY firefighter Stephen Siller's final footsteps on 9-11. That single event has inspired more than 70 runs, walks, and climbs in different cities across the nation each year. Register for an event in your area or volunteer to start one. Do good and never forget by donating $11 a month at t2t.org. That's T, the number two, t.org. WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's number one talk station. Thank you for saying that. And that's all because of you and we know it. Ladies and gentlemen, a very longtime friend of mine, distinguished, retired this, that, and the other from the assembly, the freeholder board, then freeholder board of Atlanta County, now commissioners, Pleasantville Councilman, Director of, uh, I was going to call him Revenue and Finance for some reason. Uh, he, he might disagree with that. Director of Emergency Management, 
uh, what am I leaving out? Uh, retired battalion fire chief from the city of Atlantic City. Uh, in, uh, invariably, I'm leaving something out. Uh, Tom Foley joins us now. Tom, before you speak, let me thank you for your leadership because I do believe uh, on Friday your call on air that motivated many, including me, and that I followed up with a pretty blistering uh, combination news piece and editorial, if you will, but it was fact-based. But I guess to be accurate, editorial-type uh, offering that I did that, that went absolutely viral – uh, and it got the buzz going in all quarters, and we followed up very aggressively yesterday. And then all of a sudden, yesterday, it's it's announced, and we broke that news as well. First, I'm not aware of any other coverage on it, even uh, that Mayor Small will be having a press conference today at 12:30 in the City Hall conference room on the seventh floor. And my inside sources at City Hall announced what I just shared or told me what I just just announced right before the break, that apparatus is coming and a budget that will include new firefighters is is going to happen. Uh, do you agree with me that if this happens at the level that we've been told, that this is a very good day for Atlantic City? Harry, without a doubt, uh, I just have to say, you know, my theme when I was running for mayor was fix it with Foley, but uh, I believe it's a uh, changed a lot it's called fix it with hurley well i'm going to say thank you for that but it's a team effort i really believe that you added such value with such a specific narrative of the different engines that were down uh and and it just i think it challenged people's sensibilities that this just can't continue the status quo of hemorrhaging both people and equipment had to stop and I really do give you a lot of credit for it. And also the union president, John Varallo, who I think is a, just a, a terrific person, but also a great union man and a great union leader. And I think everybody did it just the right way. You know, if you burn the house down, uh, you don't get a good result, but you got to bring heat. No pun intended, I guess, pun intended with fire um, department issues that we're talking about. But you got to bring the heat in order to shine the light. Uh, on something, and I think we're going to see a good result today. Well, that's great. You know, Harry, I got the information from uh, the guys always call me whenever there's an issue on the job. And uh, whatever I could do to help out, as you know, I was a union president there for 13 years, another title, <laughs> as my ex-wife calls me, the former man. But uh, <laughs> I had to tell you that uh, it, it was a great effort on their part to what they've been through in the last 10 years is just incredible. I mean, we went from a 326 uh, personnel fire department down to less than 180. And the runs have increased because they're now doing medical along with fires and accidents and every other thing you could think of. Uh, storms, you know it, and they do it. And then that's why my heart has been dedicated to the fire service ever since my father got killed there in the line of duty back in 1972. And Atlantic City's always been in my heart. I started out in Pleasantville and went over and, made, and took a $3,000 pay cut just to come to Atlantic City because I believe in, in the city. I know the guys and girls over there, the men and women, they're just, just a terrific bunch of dedicated to the city employees. And, and they do a great job for, for fire safety in the city. Chief Evans is doing it while he can. 
you know, I've spoken to the chief several times, and he's very frustrated. But it's been it's been horrible over the years. And, and Tom, I want to just interrupt you just to to echo what you said about Chief Evans in everything that we've written, and in every commentary that we've done on air. I have mentioned him. As you know, he's a former mayor. He understands the budget. He's uh, a, a superior officer for many, many years, including now for a number of years, the chief of the Atlantic City Professional Firefighters. No chief wants to see this being being understaffed and, and literally apparatus breaking seemingly by the day, borrowing uh, like a beggar from Ventnor City and Margate City. It's it's not prideful. It's embarrassing. And it's really, it's disgraceful. It's disgusting. And it has to end. And I believe today will be a start towards um, ending that type of thing. It, nothing, as you know, it, it, you guys all do it. It's, it's a tremendous thing, mutual aid. But that's not what this is. This is that Atlantic City has allowed this to deteriorate uh, at the leadership level, the the city hall leadership level as you know a fire chief can i know i i have personal knowledge the equipment and the staffing that chief evans has requested and to date none of it has happened but i think as of today at 12 30 we're going to learn that more than 20 people will be hired and that these two new pieces of equipment i believe both engines i hope uh and also the purchase of the um the used engine from Ventnor City when their new engine comes in. There's something a little bit creepy about that, but you take it because at least it works. Uh, it's older, but at least it works. Uh, but this um, this has been a long time coming. Uh, without a doubt. You know, years ago, we used to try to rebuild the engines that were going out of service and the trucks that are out of service. As a matter of fact, there's still several of them out there since I was on, and that's some 20 years ago. And, and Harry, that's the type of planning that you have to do. I know that's the type of planning that Chief Evans has done. He's done replacement values. He's given plans on even leasing equipment to get it started. But this is the type of thing that you, you need to have a planning for a fire department. And we've been very fortunate. I mean, thank God that we haven't had any major fires. As you heard uh, President Varello say, you know, we have the 700 story build, or 700 feet long building. And uh, the thing is, you need the high pressure three stage pumps to get the water up to the top. God forbid you have an incident there. Then an airplane hits it, you know, either on purpose or, or accidental. And you have a major fire up there and the system is broke down. I mean, it, 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 there are all kinds of hazards in the city. And that's what. Thank God nothing has happened. I pray it doesn't happen, but they need the manpower. They need the strength, and they also have to have the equipment because you can't have firefighters inside a job and then the, the equipment break down in the street. Tom, give people an idea what this has been like. And it's not anybody can handle something for a certain period of time. As long as you see at the end that, hey, I'm doing these extra shifts, you know, I'm doing without as many days off. I'm not taking vacation. I'm doing all these things for the good, or, good order of the Atlantic State Professional Firefighters, but it's for a reason. I can see, you know, the finish line at the end. This has gone on for years. It's unhealthy. It's unacceptable. Give people an idea how tough this has been being an Atlantic City Professional Firefighter under these circumstances. Well, we even had guys commit suicide, and that's uh, it's horrible to think about that, but that's what's the distress of what's happening. 
Some people were separated from their family because now they're working 56 hours a week. And, and that's, and then they have overtime on top of that. I mean, and then the stress of the job, you're inside and all of a sudden the, the hose line goes limp because the apparatus outside broke down or you can't get started and you hear people screaming. You can't, you know, as you know, Harry, fire increases every second and it doubles in size per second. So you can see what what could happen out there if you get a delay on response. Let's and, let's let's drill down on that on that comment, Tom, because that is extremely important. If you go out there and you don't have confidence in your equipment, that is a very serious psychological situation. If you are wor- worried about the fact that something is hanging on by a thread and it might not even work through the next call, that is very stressful, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, we always have to rely upon our equipment. When I was the air mask technician, I, I made sure that everybody had their own air mask. You know, the, the bottles were separated, but every face piece, each individual firefighter got because uh, I was worried about we had diseases back then. Now this pandemic and everything else, I mean, just think, and now you're on a piece of apparatus that's that's could break down at any minute or not even start. Imagine a frustration of that with the firefighters st- sitting on the apparatus and he can't even get it started. I mean, come on. It- it's just crazy what has been going on for the last 10 years. And thank God I'm, ho- I'm hoping that the mayor does what he's what I've heard that is going to happen today. And I know you, you heard about it also. And I think that's terrific. Let me, let me get something uh, straight so that our listeners have a, a wider spectrum of observation. The numbers that I wrote last night about and the numbers I've recited, they're the same here on air this morning. Is that about what you have heard, Tom? Yeah, that's about what I've heard. But the thing is that we got to remember, we got to get these companies back in service. It's all great to have uh, the actual companies have a nice piece of apparatus, but you also need the demand power on the apparatus. You got to staff them. And, you know, California Avenue has been out of service for God, I think almost three years now. Tom, what would 20 or 22, the number I, you know, was told was approximately 22, but what would 20 or 22 ish numbers of new professional firefighters, does that, does that make a dent in, in so far as all that were lost? And every time somebody was lost, it wasn't, it wasn't, the person wasn't replaced. How much of a help will this be? Well, basically, Harry, that's one engine company or, or one ladder company. Okay. It's, it's four guys per shift. Okay. And, and that's basically what you have. All right. That gives people an idea. It, it shows you it, 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 it's, it's not nothing, but it doesn't fix everything either. And what will these two new pieces of apparatus and then buying that used engine from Ventnor City what will that mean? Well, definitely that's a step in the right direction, but we're already down on, on ladder trucks. And I mean, we have uh, one bucket, one uh, hooking ladder, and then you have a rescue where you, we used to have four ladder trucks. And uh, now we're down to basically two ladder trucks and, uh, and uh, a rescue. That's about it. You know, but the, if we were to assign, if, again, if these and mayor small, we'll, we'll make it, um, official in a couple of hours but if these numbers are accurate and and they they come from his people so if they're wrong then then his people don't know their their job so i i trust i trust who i got it from 
Uh, I don't feel set up. I mean, why would anybody do that? It was responsibly reported, and I have multiple people telling me the same thing. So I'm going to go with this until I have reason. If I have a reason to do a correction, I'll do a correction. But if this goes down at the level that we're saying the two pieces of apparatus, because I haven't been told exactly what they are, and I have been told about the one engine, so I know what that is. Um, That's basically what they're borrowing right now, and also the other one from Margate. what percentage of the fix, if, if you need 100% for the fix uh, in terms of the number of companies that have closed and so on and so forth, what percentage does this fix out of 100% of the problem? I would say 25%. I knew you were going to say that. So we got a quarter of a loaf coming today. So it's not Mardi Gras. It's not the Super Bowl, uh, but it, it will make a dent. Uh, and help quite a bit. But what folks should be, I think, very um, attuned to is that this is just the beginning. There is still a far way to go here. Yeah, and I'm sure Chief Evans and his staff, and, and along with John Varello, will work together to do whatever they can to you know, keep this going and, and do maybe again in a few months do another uh, 20 guys and then and, and buy other apparatus and replace some of the ones that are there or rebuild them as reserve pieces so we have our own familiarization because familiarization on, on a piece of equipment is very, very vital to firefighters. You can't be jumping on a new piece of apparatus from Ventnor or Margate that you never saw before in your life and think that you're going to be proficient in operating that apparatus. It just doesn't work that way. That's why we drill so hard as firefighters to make sure that we know our equipment, know the apparatus, and know how to keep ourselves safe and and just provide safety for the general public and also our visitors and business people in the city. That's that's what our mission is, and, and that's what they're supposed to do. And and I'm glad it's 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 moving in the right direction finally after 10 years. I, I know. It's been so long. 10 years is just – it's it's hard to believe, actually. It's cruel. The music says we have to go. Kill Mead is uh, about to rip this microphone right out of my hand, Tom. Uh, thank you for your leadership. You have made a real positive, effective difference here. Uh, and we'll follow what happens and well, we'll, Harry, we'll reconvene. Well, Harry, if it's fix it with the Hurley from now on. I'm just going to use that motto. Thank you, Tom. Have a great day. And thanks again for your leadership. You were a big, big help on this. So was John Varallo. The mayor at 1230 today will speak definitively on these uh, matters that we have addressed this half hour here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5 early in the morning. You can watch it. Facebook.com forward slash Atlantic City Gov, G-O-V. Facebook.com forward slash Atlantic City Gov. He likes the Facebook uh, video chat. And uh, let's uh, keep happy thoughts that this is the beginning of something that can be great again. Let's make Atlantic City 